Big Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and happy opening day down at the ballpark. Fish getting the season going at the, the ballpark tonight. Looking forward to that. And, of course, we've got a beautiful, beautiful forecast for May Long weekend. But before we get to the weekend, it's time for a couple hours of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Packed show today. And there's a lot to get to. Breaking news from the National Hockey League. Some very interesting words from a, uh, I guess, technically now former member of the Jets organization. Uh, and bomber training camp continues. Preakness coming up. And uh, we will uh, get Kenny Insider on the show as well. Ken Weeb jumping on with us to uh, hit the latest on the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And the big news today from the NHL that Kyle Dubas is out as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've got a four-overtime classic to talk about. We've got the Winnipeg Ice playing for their playoff lives tonight. So uh, buckle up. Should be a great couple hours. And, of course, we'll finish it off with a marble race heading into the long weekend. Um, great to have you all with us. Darren Bombing, as I mentioned, will also jump on with us and give us the latest from Blue Bomber Training Camp. And Kirk Contois, he gave us Mage two weeks ago for the Kentucky Derby. We'll find out who his pick for the Preakness is before we drop the marbles just before 3 p.m. Um, great to have you all with us. If you're just finding us, folks, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us daily, Monday to Friday, uh, well, with the exception of this coming Monday, because, of course, it is Victoria Day, uh, and hit that red subscribe button, YouTube, 1 p.m. Central. And if you're finding us on YouTube and you would like the audio version of Winnipeg Sports Talk, it's available right after the show every day in time for your drive home. If you're a 9-to-5-er, search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our great partners over at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, the award-winning Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, BP, Consolidated Supply, Princess Auto, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Canadian Club Whiskey, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, Assiniboia Downs, Opening Day Monday, and our good friends at the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who get things going tonight with a 6.30 start down at Shaw Park. Let's get this going and uh, welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what is up? How's it going? I'm feeling good. I got my badge here on my shirt today. I stayed awake for the sixth longest game in NHL history. Achievement unlocked. Although it was only ended at one o'clock. It wasn't like other overtime games. You know, they reference uh, the the Vancouver Dallas one because that was a West Coast game. I remember staying up very late for that one and the Anaheim Dallas one from 03 as well. That one, I think I had, like, grad that night, and now I'm dating myself, and came home, and it's, like, 4 a.m., and this game is still on. So, um, I don't know. Was, I stayed up for it last night. It was only 1 o'clock, so it doesn't feel too significant, but sixth longest game in NHL history yesterday, so feeling feeling good this morning. Yeah, well, I'm feeling it as well. Uh, I went out with some pals to watch the game and figured I'd, you know, take off at the end of the game and, you know, get back at a relatively reasonable time. <laughs> One overtime. Two overtime, three overtimes, and to be honest, the goal was so late. I kind of thought that we were going to be getting into a fifth overtime, and at that point, we were wondering whether the bar was going to close at 2 a.m. before it was over. Matthew Kachuk, and that was a heartbreaker. My God, we had a great lock shop uh, exclusive. We needed Burns and Ajo to get a point. That happened on the first goal. Canes to win under six and a half. 
All we needed was the Canes to uh, get the W. Uh, it didn't happen last night. First blood for the Florida Panthers. Uh, I will say this, Reem. The, the, the best part of that game going through overtime was all the close-ups of Paul Maurice on the Florida Panthers yes. bench. I, I mean, you could put together a montage of Maurice Rangouts just from last night's game that would be as good as any coach in the National Hockey League all year long. Uh, he's intense. <laughs> he's coaching his ass off right now. His team's playing his ass off right now. And that was a very, very memorable game and a hell of a way for the eighth seed, the lowest seeded team, the lowest point total team in the Stanley Cup playoffs to do it again and uh, get up one nothing on uh, a team on the road. And now uh, the Panthers have home ice advantage in this series. Yeah, I'm starting to miss Paul Maurice. Huss. I mean, you could have made like a season's worth of gifts. I agree with you from last night's outburst. Every penalty call, every call, he's mouthing like F off to the refs. So intense. I mean, it's amazing to watch Paul Maurice here in the conference final. Now three games away from a Stanley Cup final. And... The start in a picture, you know, Paul Maurice won, like, the storyline one year after leaving the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Maurice captures the Stanley Cup with the Florida Panthers. And, um, well, how crazy that would be. And, again, there was another former Jet, Paul Stasny, on the Carolina side. I thought, um, you know, Carolina, for, like, the first, like, three, four periods, you know, really outshot Florida. But you saw Florida closing the gap. And Freddie Anderson, he was absolutely incredible in that fourth overtime and uh, and who, um, sorry, Bobrovsky, I mean, he collapsed at the end as well. But both, you and I were saying before the show, this wasn't like a four-overtime game where there weren't scoring chances. I thought both goalies made save after save and were fantastic. So, uh, I mean, you, gave you, a re- you weren't falling asleep, even if the players did appear pretty fatigued towards that uh, in that fourth overtime. Well, oh, for sure. And you know how sometimes you'll get these long triple OT games where not a lot is happening and there's hardly any scoring chances and people start saying, well, should we consider having some sort of tie-breaking procedure in the playoffs? Nobody that watched that game last night was saying it. I, I, I agree 100%. That was as exciting a marathon game as you'll see in the National Hockey League. I mean, both teams were bringing it um, You know, at all times. There were great scoring chances. And both goalies were simply phenomenal um, and very, I mean, unfair to Freddie Anderson to take an L in that fashion, um, considering they both put up a full game's worth of shutout minutes plus in the overtime period. And I think they said, what was it, like 212 minutes uh, they went without scoring? I guess that can't I, be right. Yeah, I, I I don't remember. What are the shots, like 60, 50? and. At one point in the game, they showed like each team over 100 shot attempts. I'm like, man, this is one of the more ridiculous games. And you're right, it was basically a doubleheader. Well, it was a doubleheader plus one period. I mean, it's incredible to watch. And, you know, we know Vegas has a lot of Winnipeg and Manitoba guys, but shout out to Seth Jarvis playing here. I thought he had a lot of chances. He's looking pretty good. He did score uh, the opening goal of the game. But there are some, you know, Winnipeg, you know, you're a Winnipeg guy and you're looking for a reason to watch, you know, it may be you want to cheer for Paul Stasny or cheer for or against Paul Maurice. But Seth Jarvis is a guy who we haven't talked a lot about, but I thought he looked very strong uh, yesterday as the game, you know, young guy has. So he's got those young legs when it's going in a four overtime. 
yeah, and, and hey, uh, this will be a nice. I saw Tikona Pauly talking about the overturned goal in OT, and Phyllis <laughs> talking about Maurice. He nearly crashed into the plexiglass on that overturned goal in overtime. There's a why not question of the day for not Autocorp or Waverly McGilvery. What uh, right call or wrong call to overturn the goal in overtime? I, I will be honest. I and listen, I had money. I needed Carolina to win. I was a benefactor <laughs> of the fact that that was overturned. I was absolutely stunned that that goal did not count that night. And it's interesting. Different people have different opinions on it. Um, I don't think it was completely clear, cut, and dry. I just thought that it wasn't enough to overturn it. But the uh, Situation Room obviously saw it different. And instead of that game ending relatively early in the first overtime, we had about another two and a half hours of uh, incredible drama to enjoy before Matthew Kachuk ended it. Yeah, I saw a lot of tweets, you know, where the first overtime, like, give me four more periods of this and by the fourth overtime like no I want to go to bed as far as that disallowed goal like it, he kind of got the Florida player got in behind the Carolina defender and maybe was nudged in a little by body position into Freddie Anderson I guess I'm kind of uh kind of surprised about that one uh a hus that they did overturn him but you never know with these guys I don't think it was like I don't think it was an obvious push like we've seen, um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I was just surprised. I just didn't think maybe that threshold to like turn over a playoff game-winning OT winner. As I said, I was pumped when they made the call. I just didn't think that would be the case. And just to show you, this is why I think it. You know, there's people on other sides. Russ Lowen, wrong call. Waiters, 100% the correct call. Donnie Boy, right call. T. Conapoli, wrong. No goal. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> Basically 50-50 right now on that. So pretty much tells you all you need to know. That is uh, that is a tough job and a very tough call to be made. And um, if you thought that the Panthers got hosed, well, they had to work a little, uh, well, not a little, a lot more to get the win. But uh, they ended up getting the win. So there you have it. Uh, four OTs. Uh, we'll talk with Ken about that a little bit later on. See what he had to say about it. Uh, other huge news in the NHL today, though, Reem. Uh, Kyle Dubas is out as the uh, GM of the Maple Leafs. Um, a lot was made of his season-ending press conference where he had said he needed to talk to his family and wasn't sure that, you know, it was Toronto or, it, or nowhere, apparently, allegedly, earlier this week. A lot of people said uh, it didn't seem like his heart was in it. I'll be honest. I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical. I thought that that was a little bit of negotiating through the media, considering he knew that he had a contract that was up at the end of the year. But uh, maybe it was taken in a little bit of a different way by Leafs Brass and Brendan Shanahan uh, because they put out the release today and it was quite clear that as much as they are parting ways, um, they're not renewing his contract and Kyle Dubas will be uh, a free agent at the end of the month, there are openings in Calgary. There are openings in Pittsburgh right now for a general manager. I imagine he will be in demand. be interesting to see if he sticks to his guns to say that it was Toronto or nothing or whether he finds himself a job quite quickly now that he's on the market. Yeah, I think it's maybe easy to say Toronto or nothing when you're negotiating, but what a time to release this news has Friday of a long weekend. Of a long weekend, yeah. And the press conference will be at 2.30 in about an hour and 15 minutes. And, I mean, kind of 
I guess it's surprising in the sense that, you know, they've had such a good team in the regular season, uh, you know, winning what, up there with divisions, you know, so much regular season success. However, you know, they haven't had the playoff success, finally winning around. And you look at some of the moves, um, you know, that uh, he got the job and signed that John Tavares contract, which now they're really trying to get out of. And, um, you know, what the reluctant. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as the Matt Murray trade, though. Well, the and it, and look, the goaltending was an issue, and yeah, they their goaltending solution this year was what trade for Matt Murray, which didn't work out, and uh, that Samsonov was was all right. Um, I guess look, they're looking to go in a different direction, and there's some tweets and reports now that there's a bit of a power struggle with him and Brandon Shanahan, and they probably felt, hey, we can find find someone else. So, kind of, you know, when you when you're here, Huss, and the GMs had the job. For 13 years, a GM who's, you know, how many consecutive playoff experience, playoff appearances and gets in the second round gets fired. I think it, it or sorry, they agreed to part ways to use the official term. His contract expires uh, at the end of the month or end of next month. I guess it is a bit does catch you off guard there. Yeah, well, I, listen, I, I think a lot of people expected that they would continue on. It sounded like there was I, again. Believe what you what you want. I mean, many of the people that are pretty tied in said that they thought that Dubas deserved to come back and would be getting another chance to do it. I'm really not sure how much what he had to say earlier in the week after the Leafs were eliminated had to do with uh, his um, eventual uh, pink slip or you know not getting renewed. And it's funny. I, I, listen, I knew that this would be a hot topic on the program. Um, you know, as it relates to Kevin Chevaldeoff here in Winnipeg, and certainly. Uh, the very loud anti-Chevy people are uh, in the chat right now, um, you know, saying that, you know, Chevy's a lifer. I'll say this about Shevel Dayoff. It's very clear that the people that run this hockey club, namely Mark Chipman, believe in Kevin Shevel Dayoff and think that he is the guy that can, you know, steer this ship going forward. And, and I'll say this. I mean, obviously, there are pros and cons to everybody. And, uh, you know, you could make arguments of some of the things that Sheveldayoff has done very well, other things that um, haven't worked out that need improvement. The one thing I'll say is that I do believe that, you know, making a big move right now, uh, general manager, considering all the, the, the things on the plate, I'm not sure it would benefit the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Sheveldayoff has been backed into a corner on a number of occasions and has come out looking pretty good with these deals. So, uh, you know, some people do have still have confidence in him. Some of the fans, certainly the organization obviously does. Um, but, you know, when you when you fall short of your goals, you're never going to please everyone right now. But, um, you know, we can, I guess people can wish things, we can talk about it, but it, it seems like it's a little bit of a waste of breath right now because uh, it was pretty clear at the end of the season that Kevin Sheveldayoff will be back and he will be the steward for this hockey club to get through a very interesting offseason with a number of moves expected to be made at some point as we've been discussing for the last few days since the season ended. Yeah, and Toronto, they're in a similar situation with Matthews. Uh, he's got one year remaining. Uh, William Nylander as well. And Marner and Tavares with the two. So, you know, the Jets, funny, it's funny how similar these teams are with their core core four. That's the, I think that's a big term here of the last couple mm. weeks. Uh, Toronto's got theirs with two guys, um, you know, on the final year. And the Jets have a similar situation with, uh, you know, four of the top eight names on the athletic trade board, which we had so much fun talking about 
since Monday. Thank you, uh, Michael Russo and Eric Duhatchek for putting putting that one out. So I think Toronto, interesting team. I don't know who's going to step in <laughs> as GM. Uh, and I guess the other question is who's going to be coach because uh, Sheldon Keefe was Kyle Dubas' guy. And I mean, I don't have any inside info, but I would think that you know the next GM will want to pick their own head coach. That's usually what happens, especially those two were so you know tied together from their days in junior. Yeah, uh, and there's already been rumblings from some people in the know to keep an eye out for the Ottawa Senators when it comes to the services of Kyle Dubas. Now, I'm really? sure a lot of that will have to do with what happens with the new ownership group. Um, and again, Dog? I mean, this is... The, Snoop's a big Dubis guy. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing. Uh, anyways, we'll talk about this and all those other stories with uh, Ken Weeb when he joins us a little later on. We have to get to this story, though. Uh, uh, shout out to Dave Manouk. I see Dave. By the way, if you missed it after our show yesterday, um, excellent season review for the Manitoba Moose Show uh, with Dave, Fink, Goose, uh, as well as a number of guests. If you missed that, you can check that over on the Illegal Curve site. Um, but Dave, with his Illegal Curve morning papers today, had a uh, a piece from a German paper about Leon Gavanka, who, of course, starred for the Manitoba Moose this year, scored 20 goals, had been with the organization for the last few years, never got a call-up, never got a chance uh, in the National Hockey League. Um, and obviously, it was quite frustrating. Um, but as frustrating as it was for Gavanka, who said that, you know, he's out and obviously signed that contract with Mannheim. Um, let's just say that I'm sure a few things had been lost in the interpretation from German to English because the headline says, Gavanka scolds NHL team, quote, I ripped my ass open. <laughs> National defender Leon Kavanka made the leap to North America a few years ago. He returns for the new season and criticizes ex-club Winnipeg Jets in clear words. Now, I will say this. I'm sure that this is a little bit of lost in translation when he says, quote, I rip my ass open because uh, we know people from this organization don't disclose injuries, Reem, even after the season. <laughs> yeah, I, there's other, other stuff in that it's article. It's a lower body injury, Leon. Come on, get with the program. <laughs> there was a, a couple lines in that article where he expressed frustration that he worked his ass off for the organization and he felt like he didn't get rewarded. He... He saw, you know, didn't play, play any NHL games. I know Dave in the comments there said he thought, you know, they could have thrown him a bone and let him play the last game against the Avalanche. And Kavanka also said, you know, he sees the other guys ahead of him getting called up, and he thought he deserved an opportunity ahead of those guys. You like seeing that the fire from those guys. It is important to note that, you know, he was put on waivers and nobody picked him up. But I think that's a bit tougher during regular season. So it sounds like so he did sign with Germany, but it sounds like he would welcome going back to North America, just based on the translation of this article, if there was, <laughs> if there was a trade, because the Jets have his, you know, have his rights for till he's what, 27, I think it is. Yeah. And, and you know what? And listen, this is, uh, this is something that happens when you know, you've got a lot of talented young guys that don't have an opportunity to come in and, you know, even get a chance to show what they can do. And listen, I, I, I'm not sure that, the Winnipeg Jets organization thinks that Leon Gavanka is an NHL player. 
Um, and I certainly think that, you know, when given the opportunity to call other guys up, Billy Hanela was ahead of him. Declan Chisholm was ahead of him, despite the numbers that he put up in the, uh, in the Manitoba Moose. And, you know, sometimes, uh, listen, all just all the time, you know, there are guys that, you know, are in one situation in the American Hockey League that, you know, unfortunately for them, they're a little far down the pecking order. And, you know, it does, uh, it does get to them. Now, this article um, obviously speaks to the fact that, you know, he's done with, uh, with this organization. Um, and as I said, as much as the headline was a bit of a jaw dropper, uh, I'm not sure this is that surprising um, after playing here for a long time, doing quite well in the American League and not getting that opportunity. Uh, he's looking for a, a chance to do it elsewhere, whether it be Germany, whether it be somewhere else in the National Hockey League, if uh, there is a trade made, I guess we will see. Uh, but we certainly had to get that into the program, considering the uh, very, very interesting headline uh, from the uh, from the piece over uh, from the Illegal Curve Morning Papers from uh, our pal Dave Manuk. All right, we'll get to uh, much more of the hockey talk, uh, Winnipeg Jets, the, the Dubas situation, last night's OT, tonight's game one between Dallas and Vegas, as well as tonight's game five between the Jets and the Seattle Thunderbirds. We'll do that with Kenny Weave a little bit later on. But we're going to start talking some bombers coming up right away. But before we do that, don't forget, folks, tonight is the night opening day at the ballpark. 6.30 start for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Uh, they're at home all weekend long, and the weather is looking absolutely gorgeous. High at 20 today, 25 tomorrow, 22 Sunday, 29 Monday. Uh, what a, This is like midsummer type temperatures to start off the season. I'm going to be heading down there tonight and uh, make a plan to get out to the ballpark and take advantage of this gorgeous weather. If you are in town tonight, you can get tickets online at goldeyes.com. Uh, our friends at Modern Man Barbershops have eight locations now in Winnipeg as they continue to grow, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. I got a cut there a couple weeks ago at the grand opening of the Pemina uh, location. Great time there. Uh, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services for men. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Find out more or book your look at modernmanbarber.com at the location of your choice. You can follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. And with the summer-type weather, maybe now is time to take the plunge with AquaTech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And in addition to the pool, home hold, whole home renovations start with AquaTech with thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make those rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. May long weekend's finally here. Do you have your batteries, folks? Uh, if you got a motorcycle, you're going to want to be getting that on the road. Manitoba Battery has the uh, best batteries, whatever fit you need, at the best price. If you got some lawn work coming up, you need that long tractor battery, got a great sale right now on a 280 cranking amp battery for 42 bucks when you return your core. That same battery's $30 more at the big box stores. And any purchase over 60 bucks, Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you for free. Find out more at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see Donnie and his great staff at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, as we get ready to talk bombers with Bomber, 
It won't be long till we're back at IG Field enjoying a little Canadian club and watching the blue and gold. Of course, Canadian club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Also, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. See you at the Rum Hut on June 2nd for that first game. And in the meantime, pick up some CC and ginger, now available in 473 milliliter cans at Manitoba Liquor Marts and beer vendors just in time for the long weekend. All right, let's... uh. Let's get the latest on Winnipeg Blue Bomber Camp with the bomber himself, Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. DB, what's good, man? How are you? Hostler, I'm great, man. How are things on your end? Well, uh, I'm in a great mood. Um, I, as I said, I stayed out way too late last night watching four overtimes of it, ending in a disappointing fashion. But uh, I was pretty much in long weekend mode already. We got the PGA Championship going on right now. Looking forward to the fish game tonight. And, uh, Probably pop by and maybe check out some of training camp this weekend. Uh, you know, part of the, like, we've talked about this all week. I mean, it's a very unique training camp, and I'm sure you're feeling that every day when you're there. I mean, not a bunch of huge storylines right now, other than the fact that this is the team that is coming back, starting an unfinished business tour. We pretty much know for the most part who is playing, and uh, this team's just preparing, ready to go for week one of the regular season. But uh, fill us in on what the vibe and the atmosphere has been like uh, around this team from the first week of camp. The cynic would say this is the most boring training camp the Blue Bombers have had in a decade plus. Uh, but, you know, more of an optimist uh, might say this Blue Bombers camp uh, shows just how stable this organization is, just how good this roster is. There aren't a lot of training camp battles. Obviously, the team signing Sergio Castillo right before camp, uh, bringing in a veteran, a proven guy, a Grey Cup champ, who I think should have been maybe the 2019 Grey Cup most outstanding player, uh, going five for five in that crazy swirling wind. Um, in Calgary, in their uh, in their win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats, um, and you know everywhere else uh, they're pretty locked up. I remember, you know, just a, a season or two ago, there was like nearly three dozen defensive backs fighting for a couple spots. Well, now it's Evan Holm returning, uh, Demario Houston returning for another season. Um, and Jamal Parker returning for another season. Those guys are all fighting it out uh, for a starting DB spot. Um, linebacker is solid. Defensive line is solid. The Canadian talent is solid. Receiver maybe a little bit thin with, you know, some guys being nicked up as is normal uh, in training camp. But Hustler, you look across the CFL at the kind of dire quarterback situation in, I would say, seven of the other eight markets outside of Winnipeg. And then you look at Drew Brown, who was running things with the first team offense at Bombers camp today. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on Kolaris's absence right away. But I think Drew Brown could start on seven teams in the CFL if you asked him to. And, and most of those GMs would do it. So that's how deep, rock solid the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. As far as you know, fans getting a little bit worried about a guy missing two, three, four days. Michael Shea really um, you know, kind of put a, a stop to that and said, hey, they'll be ready when they're ready. These guys are vets. They don't need the reps. They are really just ensuring that their bodies are in good shape when the regular season rolls around. we got a preseason game in a week, Hustler, so it's it's almost time for live bullets. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, well, let's talk about the quarterback position. First off, um, Zach Caleros, excuse for personal or uh, family reasons right now. Um, uh, what, uh, what did the coach have to say about uh, that situation? 
He reiterated that exact statement uh, away for personal reasons. Asked uh, how long it might be. Doesn't know. Doesn't care. Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, he's not fighting that for with a job. All responsibility. <laughs> all responsibility do, right? It is QB1. This is the, the reigning MOP and, uh, you know, probably the best player pound for pound in the Canadian Football League today. But, uh, you know, similar to Jake Thomas, who arrived at camp late, he spilled the beans today and uh, shared that, uh, you know, he had his second child uh, back home, uh, you know, uh, talking to a lot of guys. This is a veteran team. A lot of them are having babies, whether it's Kolaris having, uh, you know, something like that. Good news, bad news, something in the middle. We don't know. We may not know. Uh, but but that's, uh, you know, like anybody, it's a personal thing. Uh, excuse for family reasons. The Blue Bombers clearly comfortable uh, with uh, ensuring that um, everything back home for, uh, you know, arguably their most important player is okay. Uh, there's lots of time uh, for this Blue Bombers offense under OC Buck Pierce to get things clicking, get everybody on the same page. But, like, I'm watching YouTube videos uh, of Zach Kolaris in southern Ontario a month ago slinging the ball around amongst, uh, you know, a handful of uh, well, and he was right out there for stuff. rookie camp too. And they just started yeah. off. All those guys right. are there. And listen, I don't think it's a bad thing for uh, drew Brown to get plenty of work with the ones um, in case they need him much like they did in week one of the season last year, when he came off the bench and won the game. Right. Uh, and obviously everyone bomber fans uh, just hope that everything's great with the Acaleros family. And hopefully it's a, it's a good thing. Sometimes this does happen. And uh, um, as I said, I have no idea with the, whether his wife was pregnant or anything like that, but uh, just wishing Caleros and the family well, and we know number eight will be back. What is interesting about this, and I think maybe partly the, the thing that you guys have probably been paying attention to the most on a daily basis is the other quarterbacks that have come through rookie camp that have come here. Um, you know, in the past, the Bombers have usually utilized a third quarterback that has primarily been a guy that has done a lot of short yardage rushing, although still had the opportunity to throw the football. Dakota Prukop was that guy last year. He's gone right now. DP, um, uh, tell us about the other quarterbacks that are in camp, and has anyone sort of stood out amongst the others and maybe uh, started a little bit of separation uh, on the inside track on that job? Before I talk about the guys here in Bombers camp, I'll share a little secret with the audience. I've heard that Dakota Prukop, when he is done with the USFL, he wants to come back to Winnipeg. This is where he wants to be. So, you know, something to, to maybe keep in mind uh, looking forward as the, uh, you know, in the Blue Bombers quarterback stable. But um, it's Tyrell Pigram and it is Josh Jones. And physically two very different quarterbacks you know, behind Drew Brown and, and obviously Zach Kolaris here in Winnipeg. Uh, Pigrom, uh, I would say, reminds me a lot of Kevin Glenn. He has that very similar uh, stance in the pocket, uh, probably a lot more uh, mobile and apt to run uh, than, say, a Kevin Glenn. I, I don't know if you, they're even a comparable other than just looking at the, the, the body makeup, um, you know, as a quarterback. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's somebody that is incredibly athletic. You know, he, he kind of makes those uh, Patrick Mahomes style sidearm throws when he's trying to, you know, make some moves in the pocket uh, and that sort of thing. Josh Jones, big body, like tall, big, you know, I don't have his height and weight here, but believe me, it's probably, you know, six, four, two thirty. you know, like big, big quarterback. So it depends which way the blue bombers want to go. 
Is it a smaller quarterback that can, you know, find space and, and gain yardage in that wedge package? Is it a big body that they want to kind of bruise it in, uh, you know, like they did with Chris Strebler in, in uh, uh, you know, memorable seasons gone by? Uh, or will Drew Brown run the short yardage package uh, with the Blue Bombers? And that third stringer is, is more of a de- developmental. I think what it will come down to, Hustler, it'll come down to who's the smarter quarterback. If you're playing pro football, if you're here in training camp in the Canadian Football League, you have skills. It's thinking the game, especially a quarterback coming to Canada, adjusting to these nuances and differences between the football. These American quarterbacks have played their entire lives to this different brand of football uh, here in Canada. It's very different for quarterbacks. So I think it will come down to the one who processes information better, the one who uh, is is sharper uh, in looking at defenses and, and breaking things down, and the one that's, uh, you know, good in the room as well. Uh, I don't think anybody would be here if they were, um, you know, not a little bit of all of those things. But I think it's those, you know, aside from throwing the football and running the football, that will set quarterbacks apart. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports getting us up to date on the latest from Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to check out and subscribe to the Bonfire channel over on YouTube. Uh, Darren, all offseason, whenever we talked about the Bombers, everyone in chat was talking about the kicking position and challenge for Mark Leggio. Um, The Lucha is back. Uh, Sergio Castillo, you mentioned, I'm with you. I mean, I think he probably was the real MVP of that Grey Cup win. Um he's back now he's going to be the guy i can't imagine anything that would prevent him from being the bomber kicker to begin uh, the season where does that leave mark legio um and tell us about the, the the battle for the punting job assuming that castillo will be the place kicker and um, there'll still be a spot for somebody to uh, play special teams in a kicking role just not field goals and converts you're right hustler uh, Mark Leggio and Sergio Castillo, those are the two principals in the punting and kicking game here in Blue Bombers training camp. But there is a third name to mention, uh, an American rookie, Chandler Staten, who's looked really good striking the football um, on field goals. Uh, I haven't seen him punt too much, but uh, I, I think he's somebody that may be in the mix. You know, fans are going to want uh, the the Grey Cup hero. They're going to want the proven veteran. I think Signing Sergio Castillo for almost anything, it was as important to just get a veteran here in camp. You know, uh, Mark Leggio's in his third season. That's good. But to bring in a guy like Sergio Castillo that has been around the block, that, that knows, um, you know, how to be a professional and all those sorts of things. And, and Mark Leggio does as well. But when they had five, six, seven kickers on the roster, you want a, a good group of guys that have been there and done that in the CFL and in pro football before. Um, you know, Castillo is proven. I, I'm with you. I think he will win the job. Um, the Blue Bombers, as far as, you know, if they want Castillo to be the place kicker and they want uh, Leggio, the Canadian, to be the punter, they've done that before. They've, they've, you know, employed two kickers, an American place kicker and a Canadian punter before. They can do that, make some adjustments to the ratio on those special teams. It is a possibility. They just have to tweak the roster a little bit. Uh, Chandler Staten, I think, is somebody who has shown enough that he is still here and, you know, uh, has looked good. So maybe he's somebody that will begin the season on the practice roster. We've seen kickers get injured before. We've seen all types of crazy things happen. Maybe he's even a trade piece 
you, you never know in the CFL. It's the crazy football league for a reason. So, um, again, another position Winnipeg looks to be deep at. They have options. Tough decisions, but good decisions. How's uh, how's Legio uh, handled it? Um, I mean, this isn't just a challenge for his job. This is a guy that's come in that has performed in the past better than he has has a resume of a Grey Cup champion. And obviously, there's a reason why they're bringing him in, considering what happened last year. Not an easy position to be in. What's he had to say and how's he handled it? Yeah, he's handled it incredibly well. You know, I've seen Mark Leggio mature mentally to a great degree since his rookie season, uh, you know, uh, a couple years ago. Um, you know, he came into the Blue Bombers organization as a draft pick and, uh, you know, was put on the spot to kick and to punt and to handle all the duties. And it was tough, uh, especially in the early going. You know, uh, of course, he would like a, a lot of those moments, um, you know, in important games back. Um, but to a man, I think Mark Leggio is, is approaching this as professionally as one could hope for, um, you know, he is, uh, you know, he takes accountability. He doesn't shy away. He has always faced the music. And uh, I think that's maybe something people overlook. Of course, in a game, they're going to be like, okay, you know, if he misses this convert, uh, it's going to be same old, same old. But the reality is, you know, these are young guys like anybody else. You don't think Adam Big Hill makes mistakes dropping into coverage. You don't think uh, Willie Jefferson makes mistake, uh, you know, containing the edge. A kicker makes a mistake, it's glaring. It is on the surface, and it is very impactful for, for making one. So I, I think the reason the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have stuck with Mark Leggio is they like his approach, they like his attitude, they like his mentality, and they like what he brings on the football field as well. And that's the ability to pretty much do every single job on the field well. Um, you know, talk to Troy Westwood. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's missed like so many greats have missed – important kicks that is the ire of football fans you know uh especially if you lose a, a game like uh this most recent great cup yeah, but you hear uh, about it <laughs> I, yeah of course you're, you're gonna hear about it but you want a guy that's gonna be able to compartmentalize that put it in the back of his mind and go out there and, and be a be a flipping pro you know what i mean so uh, i think that's why winnipeg really likes like you darren bombing with us here uh, breaking down blue bomber training camp um any other newcomers that, um, you know, are battling just to be on the roster that have sort of stood out right now? Uh, names that most of our listeners would not have heard about yet, but uh, we might be hearing a lot more comes the season. So this is always a tough thing, right? Training camps, sometimes you see guys pop and make a big play uh, in practice, and then he's cut two days later. So yeah. you're like, okay, well, what's that about? Uh, I know Bombers fans, like, you know, I, I got uh, spies in, like, the uh, uh, in the online forums and that sort of thing, and they're like, how come nobody's, like, telling us who's standing out? Who are the new guys? Who's pushing camp? Well, one, there's not a ton of jobs up for grabs. But two, it's hard to identify if a guy is doing something good or bad. We could say, oh, he made a great uh, pass knockdown in practice, or he made a great catch or a great juke move to, to evade a tackler. But then he goes into the meeting room that we don't see and we, we don't get feedback on, and, and he's making mistakes watching the film, breaking down the film. He's not assignment sharp, that sort of thing. So a lot of factors go into whether a guy makes a team or not. We know Mike O'Shea, character the, the FIFO uh, acronym fit in or, you know what I mean? Um, all of those things, uh, the, the off the field is, is just as important as the on the field uh, when it comes to the makeup of a Winnipeg Blue Bomber uh, in an ideal sense. So 
you never know. That said, Barrington Wade, where's 54, been playing linebacker, I think is somebody that uh, is really, um, you know, uh, as a newcomer, uh, made his name known. Uh, Evan Holm, you know, started some games uh, in the defensive backfield, returned some kicks. He's had a fantastic camp in his second season now uh, in the CFL. Um, you know, I'll probably say Tavares Harrison at receiver uh, amongst new names. He was a late signing uh, late last season to the practice roster. I like his, um, I think he's just got kind of, uh, you know, a well-rounded skill set and size combo uh, for the Canadian game. Uh, He's interesting as well. There's a ton of running backs, you know, from uh, a late round pick um, in Jonathan Rosary out of the University of Alberta, um, you know, uh, to uh, Vance Barnes, who was here uh, in Winnipeg uh, late last season as well. These guys are all pushing uh, for that opportunity. You got to get it done on special teams in order to be a backup uh, as a rookie in the CFL. Um, but uh, th- those are some of the names I'm watching, Hustlers. It- it's tough. There's a lot of guys out there, um, but it's not like years past where there's you know a dozen dudes fighting for a position, and then here's the two uh, that are getting you know uh, th- that rotation into the first team reps. So that's my perspective, uh, you know, from the stands at IG Field. You know, I was uh, uh, on, uh, well, I should plug uh, today's lock shop for CFL fans because we did get into the, some of the CFL futures nice. that are on the board over at Coolbat, myself and Dusty. And we had an interesting conversation on the Eastern Division this year. And I think it's going to be wide open, much like it was last year. I don't really see totally any great. team sort of pulling around. I'm really high on Ottawa. I think that Bobby Dice is going, I, I think he's such a great leader of men. Um, that as long as Jeremiah Masoli can stay healthy, I think we're going to see, you know, Ottawa have a big, big turnaround this season. He's pretty keen on Bo Levi Mitchell going in with an Andrew Harris-sized chip on his shoulder into Hamilton right now. And, and I'll be honest, I am very skeptical as to how Swag Kelly handles being the guy and the starter as the CEO, if you will, of the uh, Toronto Argonauts. Uh, when you look at the landscape of the East, uh, who are you high on going into the season, Darren? Yeah, I'm. You know, you touched on some some really salient things, and I tend to agree with you. Montreal's fascinating. You reconnect, remarry uh, Jason Moss as their new head coach with Cody Fajardo as his quarterback. It didn't work in Saskatchewan. Is Jason Moss? Is Cody Fajardo? Are they going to take a different approach? each individually and collectively to, to maybe make something happen in Montreal, but, but they lost a lot of talent. I think they're going to be, um, you know, at the bottom looking up uh, for most of the season. Uh, Hamilton, tons of changes on defense in particular, their defensive backfield. Yeah. Bo's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's got some weaponry around him. Uh, good offensive system there. Uh, good, good line play uh, in Hamilton, but uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, Toronto. Yeah. I think Chad Kelly swag Kelly is going to be the X factor uh, in it all. You know, uh, the, the Argos, employed a lot of different looks on offense it's almost like they had uh you know a chapter of the playbook for andrew harris and then the rest of the playbook um you know for when 33 wasn't on the field i too really like the ottawa red blacks they added some pieces uh sean burke their general manager has had a couple years now to uh you know shape this roster uh you know in the image that he four C's and uh, yeah, Bobby Dice, a Winnipegger, um, you know, uh, a, 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 just a great hire after a long, long time in the Canadian football league as an assistant coach and a special teams coordinator. I think the team is going to play hard 
for Bob Dice. And, um, you know, uh, I think they have all the pieces there. Jeremiah Masoli and Zach Kolaris, those are the two quarterbacks out of the entire league that I'm comfortable with if I'm a GM, if I need a starter uh, to win a football game. I don't have much trust uh, really in, in any of the others because they've just been too streaky through their career. So I look at Ottawa being um, being the strength uh, of the East, Toronto right there with them, uh, Hamilton fighting, and uh, I, I really see Montreal as a team uh, that's going to be uh, on the outside looking in for most of the season. Hey, Darren, just before we go, uh, do we have a schedule for the weekend? There have been many fans out there checking out training camp, and uh, if fans are thinking about getting out there on what should be a beautiful May-long weekend, uh, what are the deets? Let me pull up my calendar here. So they moved practice. It it was supposed to be Saturday afternoon. It will now be Saturday morning, so 8.30 tomorrow morning uh, at the outdoor fields just down the street from the stadium. So uh, soccer complex, uh, Subway Soccer South, uh, it's the outdoor fields right next to it. You can't miss it. Big scissor lift up in the air, uh, filming it all for the team. So that's Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, back at IG Field, another 8.30 until 11.30 uh, a.m. Do we have Monday? I'm not even sure if we have a Monday schedule yet. But, uh, you know, uh, keep it locked to uh, to the Twitter pages. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated uh, on all of that. But uh, come down to camp. Come say hi if you see me. Uh, maybe I'll give you a bonfire sticker and uh, uh, we'll talk some football. Hey, just before we go, uh, <laughs> I laughed at your tease last night of the big CFL news and all the people's responses to it. Um, yeah. But uh, that's a great news for CFL fans on both sides of the border with the uh, streaming information. Just fill people in quickly on what was announced. Yeah, you know, I had some people <laughs> saying that's the big news. Yeah, it's some pretty big news. The Canadian Football League is launching launching their own streaming platform for people to be able to watch games that are not on TSN. So for Bombers fans, as I teased, it's exciting for them because now they can watch the Bombers-Elks game next week. It was not scheduled to be on TV. Well, now they'll take the Jumbotron feed. So they'll have multiple camera angles uh, from Brickfield at Commonwealth, and they'll uh, overlay the home radio feed. Uh, So not the CGOB crew, but the uh, uh, 630 Ched crew. uh, Great play-by-play color duo uh, over there uh, doing the game. But uh, CFL Plus and CFL Preseason Live are the two things that the Canadian Football League launched today. We know CBS Sports Network in the U.S. has the rights to uh, carry the TSN broadcasts in the States. But every other game whether it is a preseason, a regular season, or a playoff game, will be available either on TSN or on that streaming service. Uh, If you're in Canada, uh, you have access to those. If you're international, you have access to those. This is a very long time coming and important move for the Canadian Football League uh, to uh, continue to to blossom into the digital age uh, and ensure that uh, no matter where you are, on uh, planet earth you're going to be able to watch canadian football live um in in great broadcast quality great stuff uh just give a quick plug for what you got cooking on over at uh, bonfire throat camp bonfiresports.ca get over there you can uh, subscribe to your podcast your youtube uh, all the social media channels listen it's been a tough preseason in the bonfire lab okay we're changing software fans are going to be pumped because i'm going to be able to do some things i haven't been able to do before so stay patient subscribe we're gonna have content up there soon zach schnitzer the schnitz he's going to join me for bonfire midweek this coming wednesday live on youtube and facebook and, and everywhere really uh at 7 30 on wednesday so bonfiresports.ca get over there and sub up 
Can't imagine how geeked Zach is with the season right around the yeah. corner. Uh, speaking for uh, many, many Bomber fans, cannot wait to get back to the stadium for that preseason game and then get things going on the uh, unfinished business tour. 18 stops before uh, CFL playoffs litter on. Darren, have an awesome long weekend. We'll try and uh, bump into you down at the uh, stadium. Appreciate it, Haas. Have a great one, everybody. Good stuff. There is Darren Bombing, uh, at Darren Bombing on Twitter. And, of course, uh, Bonfire Sports is where you want to get all of Darren's content. Uh, all right, Ken Weeb's coming up in just a couple minutes. We got some uh, some beautiful weather. It's perfect for barbecuing, folks. And uh, if you're looking for delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks, you know where to get it. Vita Health Fresh Market, home of great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And... Uh, Perfect thing to help you digest all that red meat is Health First Prime Zyme Digestive Enzymes. Uh, they're going to help you. Health First Prime Zyme is going to help you break down proteins, carbohydrates, fats, lactose, and reduce digestive discomfort so you can enjoy all that delicious food you are cooking. Uh, pop down and see them at any of their seven Winnipeg locations. And if you can't make it down, to one of their stores. You can visit their website at myvita.ca to buy online with local delivery options. A uh, lot of work happening on the weekend. Uh, if you need a new fence or an overhead door, save yourself the time and uh, just give Wallace & Wallace a call. The experts in fencing and overhead doors serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. Uh, pretty much every kind of fence, they've got it, including... The uh, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And, of course, if you're, it's time to replace your garage door, they are the Clopay dealer in Manitoba with Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700, the Wallace & Wallace team. Or raise your time to come out and give you a free estimate. Find them online at wallacefences.com or visit them in person at their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, how's the closet looking as we get into spring and summer, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game, you need to pop by and see Andrew, Alex, and the gang at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. A 15% discount for wedding parties and a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Find out more in person at 190 Smith Street or check them out online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And hey, is there anything that goes better with a long weekend and the beautiful temperatures we've got coming in in the sunshine than a DQ blizzard? I think not. Head on down to... Our pals, Nick and Nikki, and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for uh, the taste of summer right now with brand new Blizzard flavors launching as we speak. Four locations to get your DQ on DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And you can also hit them up like T. Conopoli did on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for a Blizzard or ice cream cake for your next event. Uh, all right, great stuff with uh, Darren. We're going to get uh, Ken Weave on in just a few minutes, but uh, looking at the PGA Championship, no surprise that uh, Scotty Scheffler is at the top of the leaderboard. John Rahm had that miserable six-over par opening round. 
Scotty Scheffler finished at three. Two early birdies has him in the lead at five under par. But how about Canadian Corey Connors? He's two under for his round after four holes. And he is tied with Bryson DeChambeau, just one shot back of the leader, Scotty Scheffler. <clears throat> Vic Hovland, three under par right now. And Keegan Bradley in fifth at two under par. But we'll see how these guys handle this afternoon. It looks ugly there right now in Rochester. Uh, the wind is uh, is blowing big time. Uh, the guys that have the uh, the morning afternoon draws in a pretty tough situation. So uh, we'll see if maybe these guys come back to the pack a little bit. Scheffler seems to have his A game right now, though, as does Canadian Corey Connors. All right. Well, the wake up shirt is on, ready for the weekend. Let's just get right to it. Ken Weeb, Kenny Insider today, hopefully, because there's a lot happening in and around the uh, in and around the league. Uh, first off, shout out to you and Rennie for a heck of a good time earlier this week. What a turnout! Such great support for you guys and all of us in the digital space. The pizza was amazing. The beer was awesome. The company was great. Uh, a grand slam of an event for you and your partner. Yeah, thanks, Huss. Uh, thanks for being there, and uh, thanks for the uh, kind words. Uh, the you know, It was just an awesome night of revelry and uh, the occasional spirited debate, as I know that uh, that you were involved in several of those also. <laughs> a, a lot of passionate folks, a lot of passionate fans uh, over at TCB. Uh, awesome job by the folks at TransCanada Brewing Company uh, for their uh, you know, having the great, uh, you know, the venue and, you know, the food and the uh, beverages was uh, were, were fantastic. I uh, really loved it. Mm. It was great to have a nice, it was a, it was a pretty cool collection, Huss. I know you were talking about it earlier in the week with uh, with the guys that were attending. But, man, Huss, I mean, that that's the first time that big a collection has probably been together, honestly, since the announcement of the Jets coming back, don't you think? I mean, there may have been something since that time, but, you know, it was just awesome to see, uh, you know, folks from all uh, all the uh, various companies and various platforms. And uh, I think, you know, from the feedback that I've been getting, uh, folks just really love the opportunity to interact with a lot of those folks. And yeah, it was just, it was just fun. It was a fun season, and you know this full well. We've seen so much growth on this platform in the last couple of years. It's hard to believe this was season three for us. I know you guys have been at it uh, for a very long time and are enjoying it as well. And yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be possible without the sponsorship support and also from the great viewers and listeners and and the folks that are just, uh, you know, infused with that passion that that makes this space such a fun place and, and makes people feel like they're part of a community, Huss. And I know you feel the same way that the ability to be part of building that community kind of from the ground floor uh, has been probably one of the most enjoyable and liberating parts of the uh, the entire journey. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I see Candace is here. And it was great to see <laughs> Candace and Tristan Rivers. We had a great chat about some of the uh, the musical soundtracks for yeah. our shows put together by Tristan. And of course, the videos with Candace. The one thing that was missing, though, that I still can't believe never came out, was the headband. <laughs> Oh my God! This is vintage. He had it in his pocket. I think uh, he, he he did get a not so subtle reminder uh, during the course of the day. But Huss, I mean, you, you saw it. Uh, uh, the the handshake line uh, is a lot of people. I can't joking. believe it wasn't it was, on to begin the event. No, like, I, I hello, know, I, welcome. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's Rennie. I know. Yes, uh, that was. Uh, Let's let's file that under the technical difficulties part of the brand. Us, uh, we definitely had the headband there. Uh, I know you know this, but uh, you know so many fo folks were pumped to see like folks like Lou Ferlin, uh, 
you know, and Frankie and the boys uh, from Ross, like it just was just a fun, it was just a fun gathering, but you're right. I mean, the headband should have been out from the beginning. Uh, but let's, let's just say this was our first, let's, let's say, let's hope it was the first of many and uh, we'll try to get that corrected for, uh, for the year ender number two, uh, yeah, like hopefully exactly. in 2024. The year ender bender <laughs> and what it was, how, what it was, uh, I, you know, I'm just looking in the chat. I mean, so many of the people that are here with us today were at that event and some people I met for the first time, like all all, all caps Kyle, <clears throat> all caps Kyle, uh, who uh, it was Kyle. And then I realized, oh, yeah, that's all caps Kyle from the chat. So uh, anyways, it was great to hook up with everyone. Kudos to you, the gang over at TCB for a heck of a great night. Um, how about that game last night? Oh, man, Huss. Uh, you know OTs. <laughs> and how about Maurice on the bench? Like double OT. There was there was so many. Maurice, vintage Maurice moments. Um, man, is he having a fun time right now? I mean, it's still very intense, but everything's coming up Pomo right now. And it did again last night on the stick of Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Huss, uh, you know, it was vintage. Uh, the F-bombs per 60. Uh, there is nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody running higher analytics in these playoffs than Paul Maurice with the F-bombs per 60. Many of them directed in the men wearing striped shirts. Um intensity is there uh the fist the fist pumps and the the reactions with jamie compon and sylvan lefebvre have become kind of the uh, the the lore of legend uh after victories for that franchise uh this is i was afraid he might have it he's gonna have an aneurysm (laughs) when that goal was overturned in the first ot us i will also say this uh had the hurricanes scored in the what was it the second was I'm like the players. Ryan Lomberg says it best uh, after the game uh, to reporters in Raleigh. We forgot. We didn't know what overtime. By the end, we weren't sure what number of overtime it was. We were just having a great time. But had they scored on that hooking penalty to Verhage, Paul would... I don't think he, I don't think he could have, I don't think he would have had enough fingers to point to the number of power plays and the symbol and all of, all of those things. Oh, I think he would have just used one digit for his (laughs) signatures and it's not the index finger, if you know what I'm saying. Us, it's just vintage Paul, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's just having so much, and this is, I wrote about this in my Weebs World column on Sunday on Sunday at sportsnet.ca um, for folks like there, there were a lot of, obviously a lot of questions at the end of his departure and, and, you know, resigning is such a rare thing in the national hockey league Hus. But when I wrote about like this, if you look at Paul now compared to at the end of his tenure with the jets, the juice is back, the joy level. Like we, I mean, we joke about the joy level dating back to uh, Claude Noel's days as the first head coach of the 2.0 version. But Paul's joy level is back at a place where it was when he started. And Huss, if we were listening to the press conference yesterday, it, it's funny in some ways to people who know and followed him here in Winnipeg. This game goes four, four overtimes and nearly a fifth. And what are players are talking about the hard training camp? Like this is year this is year one of Paul Maurice's first full season after the interim tag was removed, um, even though. You know, he laid the groundwork after taking over. That first training camp is something they're talking about now in Florida after year one. Um, It's a man's camp. Well, (laughs) you know, all joking aside, but like this is a this is a team that 
Uh, I know there's been a lot of debate about whatever everything, but I mean, Paul is rejuvenated and he's having a good time and he's doing a good job. I mean, there's no other way to put this. Uh, I understand there are some folks that are saying, yes, well, if Pittsburgh had done this and beaten Chicago, we wouldn't be talking about Paul Maurice right now. Uh, some people think we'd be talking about Paul Maurice not being the head coach of the Florida Panthers. I don't think that's accurate, but this season looks off an awful lot different from ninth place in the East versus the eighth seed. Now having racked up nine wins, the same number of wins that the same head coach had during the 2018 run to the Western Conference Final. But what I can tell you, Hassan, and this is the thing that stands out most to me, A, from seeing him when he came back to to Winnipeg in December, B, being in Florida in March, and C, seeing him behind the bench now. Uh, he's at a different place than he was at the end. And, you know, we've spent a lot of this last week, Hassan, I know the news of the day is about Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas sounded a lot like Paul Maurice did at the end of Paul Maurice's tenure in Winnipeg. Sounded like a guy that needed a break and sounded like a guy who, you know, I would say, I wouldn't say it's uh, it's equal in terms of what the, you know, passion level being reduced, but Paul's ability to get away from the sport that he has loved since, you know, the time he was a young toddler, but having been in the NHL basically from 28 years old until now at, I think, 56 or 54, uh, he needed to get away, and he did get away. He didn't watch hockey for three to you know three to six months. He was you know out recalibrating was the word Dubas used. Uh, I know, having spoken to him, Paul did the same sorts of things. He got away from the sport and then remembered how much he actually loved the sport. And now you're seeing sort of the uh, fruits of that labor uh, of him being back behind the Jets or uh, sorry Panthers bench. And hey, I get it. There's some Jets fans that aren't okay with that. Uh, but this is a guy who needed a break. He got a break. He has been rejuvenated by the break, and he's having a whole lot of fun. And, yeah, it's a whole lot more fun when you win game one that goes uh, deep into the night where I filed my column for sportsnet.ca at 1.27 a.m. Um, yeah, I get it. But it's uh, it's an interesting storyline for sure. And, man, I mean, that that's a team that's fun to watch. They're doing a lot of the things that Paul wished the Jets had were able to do in the years after 2019, that they just never got back to that same sort of team that had that level of commitment and structure and determination and tenacity. And hey, there is one similarity, Huss, that we're seeing, and that's elite level goaltending uh, from a guy who uh, the narr- is changing the narrative on the fly, right? So what have you and I been talking about and you and everyone else about the show about the importance of having a true number one goalie. And that goalie happens to make $10 million. And suddenly this week, we're not talking about tandems. We're talking about the importance of having a bona fide number one. It doesn't matter that that bona fide number one and former Vezina Trophy winner lost the job down the stretch. Now he has the job and he has 13.4 goal saves above expected, according to Money Puck, in the playoffs and was probably the biggest reason that game was played deep into the night. Well, I, and I couldn't agree. Remo and I were touching on this at the beginning of the show, but I mean, a lot of times when you'll get that three or four overtime game, there's a lot of people speaking afterwards about it going, you got to figure out a way to break these ties or do something before because the games often suck. I mean, they get down to, you know, basically just getting the puck out, getting it away from your net without any real offense. Completely opposite <laughs> last night. I mean, that... Those goalies stood on their head for the better part of just about 80 minutes in overtime. Uh, Both of the teams were relentless in their pursuit of getting that winning goal. I mean, to me, for a a marathon game, like the sixth longest ever, 
that was so much better than often some of the slog that we get in deep overtimes. And credit to both of those teams. Whether they would have been able to do that if it was game four or five of the series as opposed to game one, I'm not sure. And here's the other thing, Ken. Um, be very interesting to see how this affects both teams for game number two in a game that Carolina really is going to feel like they have to have after playing as much as they did with nothing to show for it last night. Yeah, bang on Huss, uh, all of those things, and you know both net miners spectacular. Freddie Anderson also great, but Huss, these are these are goalies. I think Anderson is thirty five, and Bob is also in his thirties. So, what is the physical toll on mm-hmm. both of those men? Who you know, let's face it. Anderson is a guy whose body has broken down and had a various ailments that that's yep. why they have, you know, they had to use anti-ranta coming out of the gate here, uh, starting the first uh, stretch of games for Carolina and for Bobrovsky. I mean, Nellie Friedman, my colleague's been talking about it all, you know, for the whole playoffs, this is a guy who really benefited. There were two, two day breaks in the series with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's part of the reason he channeled his inner Mark Andre Fleury circa 2018 in that series against the Leafs, knocking them out in five. So, and there's also the toll on the players, man. Brandon Montour played an almost an hour of the game. Huss, he had a near three minute shift where he had two scoring chances and almost ended the game. I thought he was going to barf on the bench there afterwards. <laughs> like they had, they had it a was a classic. It, <laughs> he, that he was, was so good. Close, but Huss, and you're so right about the game itself. Like this wasn't a you know. Uh, you know, 04 or one one four situation where there's no four check and people just clogged up the neutral zone and said, hey, you're not going to penetrate this uh, defensive area. They were both going at it. You know, oh. Anton Lundell hits the post on one side. Seth Jarvis, the Winnipegger, who was spectacular in the game, he goes, he thought it was going bar down and it's bar out in a game where he was excellent uh, in, in terms of his performance in the game. I thought he was all over the map. Uh, really involved, but there too, there was tons of great saves that that pad stop that uh, Bobrovsky made on Natchez on the breakaway. Natchez thought he's just going to tuck it on the forehand. No, sir, you are not. Jarvis on the one timer. Bob pushes across. It's stuck underneath his skate and the pad. Uh, just spectacular goaltending, and I love the way both teams played. And hey, it's easy to say, oh, it's only one game and all that stuff, Hus, but. Yes, that both teams emptied the proverbial tank, and they're both very thankful it's not an afternoon game for game two oh. because that would be absolutely insane. Uh, we know, well, hey, we'll let's see what happens in the West game one because they are playing an afternoon game on Sunday in Las Vegas. So uh, I love the game itself, but here's the other part. It was such a well-played game, but also a reminder that mistakes happen to elite players. Look no further than the game winner. Brent Burns and Jacob Slavin, the top pairing, they were awesome in the game. Burns makes a smart reverse along the boards. Slavin picks it up, rims it around the boards. Is it a turnover? Because Sam Bennett knocked it down, it's hard to say. It was last on the stick of Slavin, and then it was on the stick of Bennett, then it was on the stick of Kachuk, then it was bar down. But it's so funny, Huss. Going into the series, we're talking about Jacob Slavin as a Con Smythe legit candidate, and he is one. And the narrative the day before the series was, does Jacob Slavin ever even make a mistake? This isn't really even a full mistake, but it ends up looking like (laughs) one because he's the last guy to touch it. So... Uh, it's just a reminder that uh, elite players, you know, some I, like I said, I, I have a hard time calling it a mistake because I think you made the right play. It just still ended up in the back of their net. So uh, just a fun start to a really fun series. And 
man, those two teams just absolutely. And Radko Gudis Hus, 12 hits in the game, like running around the old, the, the, the old mountain man, the, the big beard was just hammering people. You saw skilled players making a ton of plays. Like Barkov had something, you know, almost 60 draws that he took and Stahl was just behind him. Uh, it was just a fun game all around. And yeah, it just, it's fun. This is a great time of year. And I think this is also why there, there has been that empty feeling for many of the Jets fans we were interact or we interact with mostly on a daily basis almost because they felt like they had the, you know, when are they going to get back to that stage? Right. I mean, I think that's a big question mark kind of going into this, uh, this off season here and, and they're well within their right to feel that way because a lot of the team, even teams that went further than them are making sweeping changes and, you know, setting up what, you know, the Jets now suddenly have some competition for being the most fascinating offseason team after what happened today in the center of the universe. Well, let's get to that. Um, how, uh, what, what are you hearing about uh, this? Like, his comments were emotional earlier in the week, and he was sort of noncommittal that he even wanted to do it. I'll be honest, and maybe I'm a little more cynical. I took that as kind of negotiating, uh, maybe a little bit of a negotiating ploy. Many others didn't. Um, but I do wonder how those comments maybe push Brendan Shanahan to um, essentially make the decision for him that if it's happening, it ain't going to be with the blue and white. Yeah, super interesting how I spent most of the morning, you know, listening to Jeff Merrick and trying to, you know, do a lot of research on on the topic and and then digging in on the Eastern Conference series too with what was said today. Uh, it, it's interesting, and you know, Shanahan is speaking as we speak here. Uh, you know, uh, here's what Shanahan just said uh, on the podium. Shanahan suggested Dubas not talk to media Monday and wait until a deal was done, but Dubas wanted to. Uh, Shanahan says he told Dubas after the trade deadline he wanted to sign him to an extension. So it's it, it's it's very interesting, Hus, and we talk about this all the time. Like the the press release made it sound like it was a firing, right? But it's still kind of disguised as mutually decided to part ways. I'd like more clarity. Uh, I'd like more clarity on that. I didn't take it as that. I I mean, I thought it was like, we're not renewing this guy. He's gone. And I'm just seeing Mikey, Mike Stevens saying Shanahan says there was a dramatic shift in his thinking after Dubas spoke at media day. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. If it was negotiating, it didn't go very well. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, understand. I mean, my colleague Nick Kiprios felt the same way as you did. I didn't see that as a negotiating ploy. Because I would say the opposite, Huss. If he wanted to be negotiating, he should have been saying, I'm open to other opportunities rather than saying it's Toronto or bust for me. I think it was an anti-negotiating ploy, to be honest, unless he was trying to raise a salary in Toronto, which is also, you know, completely well within the realm of possibility. And one of the theories being floated, maybe Brennan Shanahan didn't like the price tag. And the other part here too, that we can't dismiss, and it would be something that won't be stated publicly by the person who could be in the power in the opposite end of the power struggle is that what if this was a you or me situation, Kyle Dubas, and I'm not saying that it is, I don't have any proof of that, but what I do know is that over the years, Kyle Dubas was always the guy sitting beside Brennan Shanahan for those emotional reactions in the press box. And I'll tell you right now, in these playoffs, I saw Jason Spezza sitting beside Kyle Dubas a lot, and I did not see Brennan Shanahan, and I did not see them sitting at the podium together like they've done so many times. And Kyle can say whatever he wants and say he doesn't need to have cover from Brennan Shanahan, which is true. 
if they were on a united front, I have a hard time believing they would not be sitting at that same table together like they have so many other times. So, I mean, now the next question is, A, who takes over the Leafs? And B, does Dubas reconsider his position that was stated at the podium saying that it was either Toronto or nothing? Now, all of a sudden, when you've been fired or essentially been fired, now maybe you open up the door. And Huss, we talk about the spice levels all the time. I mean, if you're Ottawa and you want to, if you want to rekindle the Battle of Ontario, I have to wonder if Kyle Dubas might be on line one as soon as, uh, you know, things are made official with the ownership group. A few people saying, oh, kind of keep an eye on Kyle Dubas in Ottawa. I mean, Pierre Dorian is still the guy there. I'm not sure that would mean what he move upstairs or he gets a pink slip. Um, But I'm not sure whether anything would happen until they get that new ownership in. And listen, time is of the essence. Uh, The big question as it relates to Toronto is, I mean, does this change... Does this change Austin Matthews thinking? I mean, I kind of took a lot of the things that he was saying about wanting to be there going forward, kind of like, let's keep this moving forward with this group. Um, And obviously they got to make those decisions before the 1st of July, because if they're going to move on any of those players, the full no moves kick in at that point. And um, they don't have a lot of time to to figure that out or make those moves if they want to do that. Well, Hassan, and here's the other part for me. The, you know, I we we were deciphering Kyle, every word that Kyle Dubas said, Huss, But you know, as it relates to the market we work in, man, the words that Kyle Dubas said that would have resonated here. I know what they did with you and I, and I'm sure it did with Kevin Cheveldayoff. That sounded like we, we've talked about how this has to go for the Jets in order to avoid a rebuild. Well, you need to find a team in a similar situation to yourself that has star players available on the market that are looking to change the mix. And to me, when I heard Kyle Dubas, I'm like, whoa, well, there's a trade partner for Kevin Cheveldayoff. Now, I don't pretend to know if it was any which one of those core four, and I don't think it would have been Austin Matthews or John Tavares, but you certainly had to leave the door open for A, a Mitch Marner who's under contract for two years, or William Nylander, who could have been a guy that the Jets might have thought about making one of their long-term plans around. And, you know, I understand that center's not his natural position. Both those guys have played center before. And until a guy like Brad Lambert or one of the other centers coming up in the system were ready, you know, those would have been guys that would have been considered us. Now, now I, I don't pretend to know which way Kyle, Kyle Dubas would have asked us, but it's natural to wonder. I mean, we talked about the evolution of Kyle Dubas. The one position he never addressed was goal, and the team is owned by the same people that own the Raptors. So if you're looking to make one of those Kyle Dubas, you know, Messiah Jiri kind of moves, what if they had tried to address their goaltending situation by trying to get, you know, one of the potential best goalies available on the market if he gets to market? So does that go on hold now? Does it go out the window? Was it never a possibility? I don't know. It could depend on who takes over and how they value the goaltender position. Uh, let's just put that on the back burner. But I, I definitely see the Leafs as a potential fit with the Jets in terms of, you know, the Leafs are trying to win the cup in the next year or two, Huss. And the Jets have some players that can help put a team over the top in a pursuit of a championship. And the other part of this too, I know Huss, I mean, I know you didn't ask me, but you will. So to me, watching that game last night, could you could you not envision Mark Shifley? You know, what was Carolina missing in that game last night? A natural goal scorer, 
Well, the Jets just so happen to have a guy who just put up 42 tucks that's going to be available in trade too. Now, it doesn't fit with the Carolina mantra of not really wanting to pay for a rental, but they also might see Mark Shifley as a guy that they could view as a longer term. You know, they have a very good culture there. Mark could be a Rod guy Brindamore that just wants Mark Shifley. Oh, I think the Mark that Rod Brendamore would think that he could turn Mark Shifley into the player that Paul Maurice wanted to turn Mark Shifley into and Rick Bonus wanted to turn into. And because of the other pieces that they have, I think they would definitely view it as worth the risk, if you want to even call it a risk, uh, on that culture side, Gus, which I know is what you're referring to. So, well, that, but also the way that he plays. I mean, that, like, that is one of the most tenacious, uh, relentless teams. For sure. And everybody is all in on doing all those things. And I mean, listen, Shife's done a lot of great things here, and certainly goal scoring is at the top of that list. There's a number of the boxes that most of the Carolina Hurricanes check off that I hate to say it, he doesn't have that uh, club in his bag. No, fair hus, but I would also counter by saying that sometimes when you go into a situation like that, Mark would have no choice well, but true. to dig in on mm-hmm. that. So that's why I think that it may be something they would be, be interested in trying. And hey, Max Pacioretty isn't exactly known as a defensive stalwart. And, you know, his biggest club in his bag was goal scoring. You know, obviously he's had leadership qualities as a former captain and all those things also. But, I mean, Mark has a lot of skill. And if you're in that environment, I just look at Rod Brindamore and think, you know, here's the thing. Steve Eisenman was Mark Shifley's favorite player. Mark wants to get paid. There's no doubt about that. that that's evident. But I think a guy like Rod Brindamore might be able to, you know, he's been able to, you know, dig in with a lot of different players and uh, some of whom we didn't think were going to be defensive specialists. And this is not to say that Mark has to be a Selkie level defender, but you know, he has shown some, some qualities on those fronts in terms of being better defensively than he has been. You know, there definitely have been lapses and those can't happen in the Carolina system, but I just have to wonder us, you know, obviously too, the, the injuries are obviously a factor there with Svechnikov, He's their best player. So, you know, okay, Aho, you could say Aho is their best two-way player. But their best goal scorer is Feshnikov, and he's not available. You know, Patretti was supposed to help on that front. He's not there either. Tara Vinen back in the lineup helped him. But he, he looked like a guy who'd missed a lot of time. Missed an almost an entire series last night for me. So, you know, is it a perfect fit, Hus? No, not necessarily. But he would be someone that you could see them being on the radar. They obviously have to fill both goalie positions. You know, they have... They have their minor league guy ready to graduate, but you know both Anderson and Ranta are UFAs, so they may have some money to spend on someone like Shifley if they think they can get those other things in terms of the buy-in. But um, you know, it's super interesting. And then you know, there's going to be—we already know that there were eight, eight or four more disappointed teams. There's going to be two more disappointed teams in two weeks or fewer. Us, and you know, we don't think Florida would be on Mark Shifley's list, but you know, some of those other teams certainly could be as well. And like I said, well, it, let's get. Let's, we I don't mean, have answers, as, but it's going to be interesting. It's starting to be a little bit more clear, I think, in terms well, of and, and and you know, and you bring up, I mean, you know, the potential of you know a big deal with Toronto. That's sort of you know the quote unquote hockey trade, the the swapping things around. I, listen, I am still of the opinion that what makes the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets is you know getting younger players under team control. I mean, I think that goes along with their with with the model um of frankly how they originally built their team and how you actually can succeed long term in Winnipeg. Um do, do you think that they are thinking differently 
um, when it comes to, you know, what you're going to be getting back for that? Um, like I imagine, like, would it, would Mitch Marner look great in a jet Jersey, um, regardless of what the cost is? Absolutely. But I mean, you've got him for two years and then that's it. I mean, that doesn't really, I guess that aligns up with Ehlers contract. And then there's one more year of Kyle Connor. Um, I'm just, I'm interested in your thoughts as to how aggressive they'll be to try to give them the best chance to be a playoff team and maybe make some noise next season. Or if this is a look at what's best for the organization over the course of the next number of years, which would mean packages probably involving younger players, draft picks and things that you could really build to try to get back to 2018, but it's not happening overnight. Yeah, it's a combination of those things, Huss. I don't see the Jets going into a five-year or even a three-year plan. I mean, that's why uh, the thing that is intriguing to me about Marner, I know that he and Austin Matthews are very close, but guys like Marner, sometimes they want to be Batman. They don't want to just be Robin. And I could be completely wrong about this, and I've wondered about this about Leon Dreisaitl as well, Huss, even though he and Connor are best friends. You know, it's not always going to be like Malkin and Crosby. Sometimes that secondary guy wants to be the guy somewhere else. And I'm not saying Mitch Marner is that guy, but what if he is that guy? And what if he gets out of Ontario? I know he loves being a Leaf, but you can also see it and hear it in his voice. Playing in Toronto has caused a lot of angst for Mitch Marner. You could tell in the way he was very, you know, confrontational with reporters leading into game four last round. Um, Does Mitch Marner want to sign up long-term in Winnipeg? You know, probably not. But if he would be given the opportunity to be the number one guy here up front for a year, then you test the waters. And if you have to trade him in that second year, okay, sure. Now you've only kicked the can down the road. But the thing, it also why I mentioned Kuznetsov the other day, Hus. Now, I had a chance to watch the game the other night, the Seattle, first time I watched the Seattle series this round with the Winnipeg Ice. Brad Lambert's playing center now. Mark Morrison, I think, was on with Dave Manuk yesterday talking about moving Brad Lambert to center. So, I mean, what if you're looking at maybe a, a safety valve? Or you know, I mentioned Ole Jokinen to you last week, Huss, about how a lot of people saw that signing as a bust. Well, what that two years did was allow Shifley the amount of time required to get to the NHL as a 20-year-old instead of having to play as an 18 or a 19-year-old. So maybe you're kind of pushing things a little bit further down the road. I don't think all four, all three guys, if they're all moved, Huss, I think you have to have a combination. You're going to be looking at prospects. I definitely think there's value in getting guys that are on team control for longer. But us, the, the Leafs, they're maxed out with their high-end players. The Jets are not getting Matthew Nyes, even if they would offer Connor Hellebuck, because they need ELC guys just like the Jets needed them in 2018. Just That's why I don't think there's much of a fit there. I mean, when I think about some no, of the totally fine, for us. the I mean, Jets, I'm thinking Buffalo, I'm thinking Jersey, I'm thinking the LA Kings. And maybe specific to Hellebuck, but I think you could also put, you know, a similar package or sort of ask when it comes to a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Shifley, to me, is a little bit of a wild card, and, you know, depending sure. on what the demand is for him. I mean, hey, 42 goals is 42 goals, and there will be a team that'll be looking to, you know, give him an opportunity, whether there's an extension or not involved in it. I probably doubt that a little bit more. I think you'd see how it goes. But those two assets, the ones that the Jets, I think, are sort of being forced into dealing if they end up doing it, you know, are Hellebuck and Dubois from where I'm sitting. And, uh, you know, getting things back that, you know, will change the team in the short term. But you only have so many opportunities to uh, to move on players like that 
And uh, I think, you know, if you do, if you do a good job at that, and you know, to Sheveldayoff's credit, he's been forced in corners before and has come out quite well in these trades. I mean, those are the ones that significantly shape your franchise going forward. Um, and that's sort of what I would think that the ask would be. But, you know, as you said, there is, there's a lot to this, especially when you talk about potentially four very important players over the last number of years, potentially not being here next year. Right. And the other thing too, for me, I was like, I'm not saying it's a perfect fit, but I'm trying for outside the box thinking. We all know what the teams that are being mentioned about, right? That's why I also wonder with Toronto, Joseph Wall had a great playoff. Uh, but I don't, do you think that whoever's the new GM is going to roll with Joseph Wall as the number one guy next year? Not a hope. So what about Samsonov? Where does that leave him? Wall's the backup. Can Joseph or can Ilya Samsonov do what Alexander Georgiev did in Colorado this year? Can he give the Jets 42 to 50 starts if he's part of the package, right? So he would qualify, you know, I think three years of team control, give him a deal around 3.5 or four, whatever the number is. Now, can he give you 60 starts? No. But he can be a very good number one A if he's part of the package. But, you know, how big that package is and whatever else, we're not sure. But I just wonder about some of the other things. And, hey, do I think for the Jets state, they'd rather maybe have the opportunity to trade Hellebuck to New Jersey for Timo Meyer or Jesper Brat if they could sign them to a long-term extension? Of course they would. You would much rather have guys in their mid-20s. But every team is looking for that player, Huss. So they're hard to find. And they're harder, even harder to sign. So... I mean, it's going to be interesting. You got to. My point is, you're going to have to be creative, and it's going to be some combination because you're trying to line up the window, right? You, you mentioned Connor and Ehlers, so you can't rebuild and expect to be good when those guys are still under contract. So now, does that mean that they would be part of potential deals with Ehlers? I don't think so. You waited all this time to see what Ehlers is going to be like on the first unit without Mark Shifley on it. So Ehlers has to be given that opportunity and see where it takes him. Does that mean he becomes an 80-point player, a 100-point player? That's up to Nikolai Ehlers. But he won't be lacking opportunity next year if Shifley's gone, which is what we expect to be the case. Now, for the other guys, you know, where's Nemesnikov in this deal? Is he on a two- or three-year deal? I think he should be or could be. Niederreiter, are the Jets going to, uh, you know, are they going to move him or are they going to extend him? Like, these are some of the answers that are going to be easier for the Jets to figure out. But in a lot of ways, they're a lot like the Leafs. They need clarity on Hellebuck and Dubois and probably Shifley before some of the other, you know, moves around the periphery and the edges are going to be made because much like Austin Matthews, the big guys are the priority. And once that priority is taken care of, then you take care of the other things like revisiting the, you know, the defense core and what way you're going to go there after, uh, you know, after things, you know, we heard now Leon Gavanka is also speaking out about how he didn't get an opportunity, right? So he ripped his ass open. Well, <laughs> indeed, the the, the, the a, Google what? Translate is not always. Uh, note to all journalists: when writing headlines, let, let let's let's be careful on the Google Translate. Not all things are literal. Um, hey, uh, Ken, listen, I would to, say played my ass off would probably yeah. be a more more likely yeah, definition. Sure that's there. what he meant but, to you know, say. <laughs> well, it's probably what he said in German. I mean, that, this is not on Gavanka. This is on Google Translate and all of us who are interpreting Google Translate before we rush to. Judgment. That would have been one time just to say a lower body injury as opposed to uh, you know everything else that we got from uh, from the Fair Jets, unlike point. a lot of other teams. Hey, listen, we got to run in a sec because uh, Kirk yeah, yeah. is going to get us ready for the Preakness. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, if the team does move on the centers and don't get, you know, a guy like that back, who might be able to fit a spot? Max Domi's having a good, nice playoff run. He's yeah, obviously he a UFA and some other guys. But just on the way out, 
there is a sense, I think, amongst a lot of people that Kevin Sheveldayoff is um, set for life, if you will. I mean, he's the guy going forward. It's very clear that Mark Chipman and the people running this team have confidence that he's the guy to get them through. But I, I, I do want to ask, Ken, considering the way these last few seasons have gone, how would you characterize the amount of pressure on Chevy to, you know, to basically come out on top with these deals? And um, is there, will that determine his future or is his future already set regardless? They have confidence him. He's the guy. That's it. Well, they definitely have confidence. Otherwise he would have been removed, but does he have a lifetime contract? Like some are suggesting, I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, as we've talked about this numerous times, yes, the Jets wanted to build the organization like the Nashville Predators. That's one of the models they are looking at. Uh, and David Poyle was just recently the longest tenured general manager. And he will, you know, that he will, he will fall out of that race at the end of this summer when Barry Trotz takes over officially. Uh, one thing we also know, Huss, you, you worked for them. True North doesn't like to pay people to not work. So um, I'm not saying that was the deciding factor in the situation, uh, but I would say that after the extension, it was probably unlikely that they wanted to pay Kevin Day off for two years or whatever it is left to not work. Um, so the other thing that I think is that, uh, you know, I do think he is under some pressure, especially this summer in terms of how he handled those deals. And to me, Hustis goes back to the, to the Patrick Laine deal. Uh, they're not going to forget if you don't, get assets back for Pierre-Luc Dubois, moving a guy like Laine and Rosovic, those are the kind of moves that can get a guy fired. So that's not going to be that's say that it's immediate, but he's going to need to make a bunch of good deals in order for the Jets to remain competitive. And after that, you know, I don't know what the breaking or tipping point is for, Mar- for Mark Chipman, but he knows what it is. And I would say that Kevin Sheveldayoff can't be looking over his shoulder when he's going through this summer. But let's not kid ourselves. This guy that's been along the game for a long time, he knows that if the results aren't there, um, you know, things will, they'll start looking upstairs at some point. So I would say he's definitely under pressure to make a bunch of important trades for the franchise and organization this summer. Yeah, this is going to be uh, an interesting few weeks. And I mean, I would say this entire season as to what the direction of the club is, how things go, um, you know, could be a big part of his beyond this season, like long-term future with the club. Weaver, have a great long weekend. Hit him straight and uh, we'll talk to you (laughs) next week. Enjoy the weather. It's going to be beautiful. Thanks for having me and uh, all the best to uh, ASD this summer. I uh, sent Double D a note earlier. I know they had a big day. Uh, I missed my chance at the buffet today, unfortunately, uh, due to some other work, but I know they would have had a great day over there and a uh, great weekend and a year ahead for the good folks uh, down that way. I always wanted to change the time of the show today just specifically for the <laughs> exactly. buffet. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Thanks for doing this, dude. Have a great weekend, my man. Right. Thanks for having me. There's uh, the man himself at Weeb's World on Twitter. You can check out all of his work over at sportsnet.ca. Uh, well, we got ASD starting on Monday. We got the Gold Eyes starting tonight. And of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. And of course, your boys right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, pop and see them in store or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Lots of lawn work happening right now uh, coming into this weekend. If you need irrigation supplies or services, you need to get on down and talk to our pal Joe at Consolidated Supply, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, 
and of course, new and used golf carts is the exclusive club guard dealer in Manitoba. They also have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options and small engine parts and repair for the machines you uh, use on a daily basis. Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at the showroom. It's open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Ready for the long weekend? Not if you haven't hit Royal Sports yet. Uh, first of all, when it comes to athletic gear, shoes, of course, all licensed merchandise to rep your favorite team, Royals got it. But with spring officially here, soccer players, softball, baseball, tennis, and so much more waiting for you to go out and make the most of the beautiful Manitoba summer. Of course, they 12 months a year, the biggest hockey superstore in town as well. And also have a great selection of bikes of uh, all makes and models. Pop down and see them at Royal Sports and keep an eye at Royal Sports Pemina on Instagram for the next huge tent sale coming off that massive one that got the summer going next week. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. And again on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. And uh, do or die tonight for the Winnipeg Ice. If you're looking for a great spot to watch the game, you know where to go. Your local Boston pizza, the Fanalytics menu is ready to go with the deep fried pickle spears, the new triple play platter, and of course, ice cold schooners, world famous Boston's wings and gourmet pizzas as well. And hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, big, big weekend around here and a big horse racing weekend with the Preakness coming and, of course, opening day of Assiniboia Downs on Monday night. Let's welcome in a triumphant return for Kirk Contois to Winnipeg Sports Talk after dropping Mage on us two weeks ago. Kurt, it's nice to be able to publicly thank you for that pick. Made a lot of people a little scratch at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, take your victory lap, my friend. What a, what a pick. Well, you know, Hustlers, since I've been coming on, it's about time I uh, really hit one. And it was a good price. A $30 horse, put 20 to win, you get back 300 I had a lot of friends calling me right after the race and thanking me. And uh, usually that doesn't happen. I usually get the other phone call that says, you owe me after the race. Even if they lose by a nose, it wasn't good enough. But yeah, Mage ran absolutely huge. Oh, and, uh, you know, it was a hell of a pick, a hell of a race, too. I mean, uh, big, big field, far smaller field coming up for the Preakness and uh, very quick turnaround. I mean, that's the one thing that kind of stands out to me, Kurt, is just how close these races are together. I mean, we're basically talking just a couple weeks. Is that part of the reason why many of the horses that ran at the Derby are not in at the Preakness? Definitely is. If you look at these horses, Usually they run three to four weeks in between races. The coming back two weeks and two weeks, that is really tough on the horses. Back in the day, there was only so many of them, so they kind of followed each other. Now they're coming from all over North America and even all over the world shipping in for these races. So it's not an easy task to go two weeks, two weeks. It, it's kind of insane, actually. That's why the Triple Crown is so hard to win. Now, um, like, Mage was the uh, was the winner of the Derby, and it was not the favorite. Mage is very much the favorite for the Preakness. Uh, I'm just looking. We 
got this up just over at Coolbet. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different on HPI, you know, as the uh, as, as it works as uh, you know horse racing goes, depending on what's coming in. Um, but I mean, I'm looking at Mage as a minus one fifty two favorite to win this race. Uh, very different story for Mage coming off of the Derby win into the Preakness now as the clear cut favorite. Uh, is this Mage's race to lose, Kurt? Oh, it most definitely is. When you have none of the other Derby hopefuls coming, that what it pretty well does is puts all the second stringers in line. I'm not saying they're not good enough, but they weren't good enough to get in the top 23 of the Derby. So these are all the ones that hope to get to the Derby, didn't make it. They ran against easier competition for the most part. And... But Mage coming off that win doesn't have to go against two Phils who ran a great race in the Derby also. All the other horses that won the prep races at short odds has beaten most of these. So Mage, wow, it's amazing eight to five. I wouldn't have thought that for the second leg, but you knew I was a believer first time out. I'm even a bigger believer now that it's not going against the best they have to offer. If you don't want to take a chalky favorite, um, who do you think is the biggest challenge to Mage? Well, I think the biggest challenge is National Treasure, the one horse. It goes off at a four-to-one morning line, but what, what the thing is, is there isn't a lot of speed in the race. The four, Coffee with Chris, does have speed, but has not tested the graded company, grade three, grade two, grade one, so hasn't done the stepping stones and can't even win at those lower stakes, but it'll offer speed. But National Treasure actually ran third behind Forte in last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and Forte was the supposed favorite before it got scratched out of the Derby, and that was a great race by National Treasure. It should be ready to go, has tactical speed. We'll be seeing a little closer than Mage, but I don't expect Mage to be sitting more than maybe six or seven lengths off the lead. And that same kind of move, I think that's a winning move for Mage. A big shot at winning the first two. Uh, how much uh, How much time in between the uh, Preakness and uh, the Belmont, the final uh, part of the Triple Crown? Only a couple weeks again. That's why it's so hard to win those three. And horses will duck the Preakness and then go straight to the Belmont. So we never saw Forte because of veterinary reasons. Got scratched out of the Derby, so wasn't eligible for the Preakness because it was only two weeks away. But I'm sure Forte will come back in the Belmont, try and get its glory from before because it did beat Mage in the previous start. But uh, I don't know. I kind of like this Mage horse. I think it's on an upswing. And I think we're seeing a a legitimate three-year-old. I'm looking at a five-to-one number on Mage to win the Triple Crown. How realistic is that? I think that's a little bit low. It's good that you got the first one in the bag. This one looks easier, but watch the next race. The horses will be off the regular four weeks coming into the race. You'll get Forte probably in there. Two fills might come back in there. Angel of Empire, the third place finisher, Practical Move, who is scratched. All of them could head into that race and make it a derby-like field instead of these ones that... I'm not impressed with this. This has been a weird year. Five scratches in the Derby. Now only one Derby horse coming back in the Preakness. I've never seen these things before. So that's why I like Mage so much. But the last race is going to be the biggest test. 
Kirk Contois with us from Assiniboia Downs. He banged Mage at uh, 15 to 1 for us a couple weeks ago. And uh, now we're going right back with Mage for the uh, Preakness coming up on Saturday. That, of course, is the big worldwide race this week. But, uh, Kurt, you and Stretch back in the booth on Monday night, opening night at the races on the uh, Monday of the May Long weekend. What's it been like around the track? We talked to D Double D, Darren Dunn, yesterday, and uh, sounds like uh, it's all coming together. Uh, lots of excitement about uh, getting this season going uh, coming up at the end of this long weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely is. All the horsemen are ready. We got uh, all the early workouts. Uh, right now, everybody's accounts are sitting probably at zero because spring training is just giving money away. They're waiting to make the money. We had entries over the last two days. We filled Monday and Tuesday's race cards and jockeys, trainers, owners, everybody's tickled pink, as me and Stretch also are, and ready to go at it for Monday and Tuesday. Hey, uh, did you say, are the races set for uh, for Monday right now? Have you had a chance to take a look at them at all? I, I only looked at them a little bit, uh, so I don't really have a, a standout horse for you uh, as of right now. I got to look a little bit harder. And uh, I, I don't look too quick. Let's just say. But, but put it this way: I, what Remo and I need to know. I mean, are there a lot of familiar faces, like horses that have been at the track running the last year or two, or uh, is this? Uh, should we be expecting a whole new um, run of uh, horses that we haven't seen before, which makes it a little bit more wide open? Well, surprising you say that. Your two horses, Otani and McKeg, I think those were the two you talked about yep. last time. Both of them are back. But there is a ton of new ones. Probably, I would say, about 30% of the horses are going to be of the new variety. You're going to see a lot at the 10,000 first-level allowance races. We got three of them over the two days. So 21 en entered in those three races, seven, eight, and six, or 22, sorry. And uh, that level is going to be so exciting, and a lot of them are brand-new bought from down south over the winter. So there's going to be some new superstars and uh, more favorites that you can make some money on. Kurt, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, great to have you on a couple weeks ago. We'll see if we can do it again. And uh, we will certainly look forward to seeing you on Monday night out at the track. Again, I guess 645, the uh, preview show gets going on the AS Downs YouTube channel with you and Stretch. And then uh, have a great call for uh, day one of 50 nights of live racing at ASD this year. Thanks a lot, Hustler. Looking forward to it. And uh, they're going to be off soon. <laughs> I'll see you on Monday night. Say hi to Stretch. Thanks so much. There's Kurt Contois. And again, of course, the Cinnaboy Downs gets going. If you want more information on, you know, booking a spot in the dining room for a night of live racing, or as Darren mentioned, some of the other events, go to asdowns.com. Or you can give them a call at 885-3000 and uh, make a uh, reservation uh, to go in and take in all. I mean, the world-class buffet, as we mentioned, but there's so much more than going into the dining room. And with this weather, what do we have here? What are we looking at for Friday, for Monday? 29 and sunny. Are you kidding me? Kurt's got a big smile on his face for that one as well. Well, what a great way to uh, get, the, uh, get the season on. And they'll go again on Tuesday as well. Uh, and then no Wednesday for the first two weeks, and then the regular Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, evening races, 7.30 post time down 
over at Assiniboia Downs. All right. Oh, we have got quite a uh, leaderboard update to get to you in just a couple minutes. Um, but hey, i got to give a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. We mentioned at Prairie Beer Awards, they absolutely cleaned up. Um, you know, their black lager, the new generic lager, the queer beer, uh, the Monarch Honey Brown, all winning awards at the show and Little Brown Jug taking down the best brewery award as well. So proud of our friends over at Little Brown Jug and man, things are going well. The patio is open. If you're sticking around the city this weekend, may I suggest pop down and uh, have a few cold ones at the Little Brown Jug patio and tap room at the brewery on William Avenue. And good news, and a few people, if you're at the sports trivia night, you might have seen this, uh, but they've added a couple of food options, including grilled sandwiches. They've got the LBJ, the little bacon jalapeno, a chicken bacon ranch, salami roasted red pepper, apple and brie, the classic grilled cheese, and a vegan grilled cheese as well. Uh, some other snacks and shareables. So uh, adding a few more options, but we all know what the main event is, that great little brown jug beers. And as I say, if you're looking for a lighter beer, kind of more standard like a domestic, <clears throat> you got to try that new generic lager. And they've got new generic lager uh, merchandise as well. Check it out down at the brewery this weekend, littlebrownjug.ca online if you do want to order for delivery. Um, our friends over at Aikens Lake are ready for the start of the season. Um, it's a perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses to have a very unique team building experience or reward your top customers. Uh, no better FaceTime with your top clients than out at fishing paradise like Aikens Lake. And as world-class as the uh, time on the water is, the only thing better is the world-class hospitality, the Turen family that runs it. Find out more about availabilities. There still is limited spots open for this summer. Aikenslake.com or uh, fire off an email to our pal Pitt, pit at akinslake.com. Let's get to a scoreboard report for the PGA Championship. And while I do that, we've got marbles open. So uh, I think Remus, oh wait. Oh, no, no, once. no, no. People jumped the gun. One sec. Oh, peep the gun. Okay, if you type marbles, you won't get in. Wasn't sure about what our situation is with the, uh, if we were going with that other one that we were uh, capturing the names on or not. Yeah, but no, I switched back to the original one, so I, it's good now. Now go. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> if you put it in before, you got to do it again. Exclamation mark marbles. It's about that time for marbles on a Friday afternoon, heading into the long weekend. But before we do that, PGA Championship and is that a Canadian flag at the top of the leaderboard? I think it is. Our guy, Corey Connors, two under for his round. CC is at five under par right now with the solo lead at the top of the leaderboard. One shot ahead of Scotty Scheffler of the United States. Chef is one under. Now, Corey was playing the back nine first. Scotty Scheffler's playing the front nine first. So Corey's definitely going to have some tough holes on that front nine. Uh, and Scotty will have maybe a couple birdie opportunities, but this course is playing so tough, and the weather is tough right now this afternoon as well. They'll so just want to survive and get through this. Both of them had 67s opening round three under pars. So just a great start so far through about 27 holes for Corey Connors out at 
Oak Hill. Um, at three under par, Victor Hovland, Keegan Bradley, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Justin Suh is at two under par. And then we've got another Canadian, Taylor Pendrith, our cool bet guy. He's one under and in the clubhouse. Justin Rose is in the clubhouse at one under. Min Woo Lee having a hell of a round today. He's four under par today. He's up into the top 10 along with Kurt Kitayama and Callum Terran. Couple of other players to uh, take a look at. Sahita Gala is even right now. Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, two over. Justin Thomas, four over. And my pal Tony Finau had uh, kind of a rough last few holes. Uh, nuked the back nine after a 41 on the front nine yesterday. I think Tony's going to be playing the weekend. Uh, it's still anyone's tournament right now. But Corey Connors at the top of the leaderboard, eight holes in to his second round. Of course, our golf reports brought to you by our great friends at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with the championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course side patio. Uh, there is a waiting list for membership for next year. If you'd like more information on everything Breezy has to offer and to get on that list, Give our pal Corey Johnson a call or find out more online at breezybend.ca. Um, let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Remus, we should get to the Cool Bet lines and uh, see what's cooking for tonight over at Cool Bet before we get ready for some marbles action to get going. Fun to have Kirk on. And, uh, man, we hit a lot of different topics with Weber uh, today, but uh, there really is a lot of interesting things happening as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets. And obviously the big news today, if people missed it, Kyle Dubas out as GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, is there a cool bet line on who the next GM of the Leafs is going to be? Is that out anywhere? <laughs> anywhere yet? Do we the, have some um, NHL specials? <laughs> the, I think it's a bit, bit early. The Brendan Shanahan press conference was happening during this, and it's really fascinating what's going on. It, uh, Ken said this. I know his colleague Luke Fox was tweeting this all out, but it sounds like they were negotiating a comeback to bring Kyle Dubas back, and he knew maybe Dubas had some concerns, I guess, relating to his family, which he mentioned in the press conference, and he told Dubas not to go out for the press conference. He did, and then after that, I think that contributed changing his mind and additionally Dubas maybe changed some of the terms of their ex of the extension they were working on and he decided he didn't want to bring him back um, and he said doesn't consider Dubas's tenure a failure but mentions a need for new ideas and they're going to have Brandon Pridham I believe he's assistant GM there as a transition period I mean this is we're leading we're about a month into the you know month before the yeah. draft free agencies come you don't have a GM that's the one thing about going a, a deep playoff run is that the longer you go, if you want to make changes, it's tough to implement them. And he says this was a Shanahan uh, decision. I'm pretty. Well, and, and again, they, there's so much going on there. I mean, we talk about the trades or the, the moves that works are expected to be made here in Winnipeg. Um, they got to get a deal done with Austin Matthews and have that thing ready to go for the 1st of mm -hmm. July. Because if not, he's got one year left. He can go straight to free agency. A full no move kicks in. And a full no move kicks in for Mitch Marner as well. Uh, uh, so, I mean, Jets, uh, as Ken mentioned, Jets maybe not the only team with some fascinating options and things that have to happen, presumably, before we finish up in Nashville at the draft coming up at the end of June. Um, but let's quickly get to those cool bet lines. Again, if you just popped in, Marble Race registration is open, exclamation mark marbles. 
We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, for tonight, Dallas at Vegas to kick off the Western Conference Final. Uh Bar set pretty high for excitement and entertainment for last night's game. Vegas minus 116 on the money line. Dallas Stars basically even money, minus 101. And the total for the game is 5.5. Uh, Canes minus 145 favorites for the uh, series or for the game to, to tomorrow. And uh, we do have series prices Vegas minus 128. And the Dallas Stars plus 108. NBA playoffs tonight. We've got the Heat and the Celtics. Celtics nine and a half point favorites and a massive money line number of minus 435. The Heat continue to get slept on and they continue to make people pay. Tomorrow, Lakers minus 210 at home after a big comeback win by the Nuggets last night. Real missed opportunity for the LA Lakers. Now we do have a lock shop partner parlay for tonight. They really owe us one last night after having to stay up for four OTs just to have our hearts broken on a thing that had everything in with the exception of that Carolina win. But we're doing one of our favorite multi-sporters tonight. Three games, three different sports, starting it off with the Vegas Golden Knights. Money line, Knights to win. Miami Heat, plus nine and a half points. And my guy, Kikuchi, on the mound, looking to go 6-0 for the Jays. Jays' money line to win as well. So Toronto and Vegas to win. And the Heat to keep it within nine points. That one's paying plus 535. You can jump on it in the exclusive sections under the Lock Shop Partner Parlay. And if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Kakushi time tonight, Remo. I can't wait. Love it. Uh, I'll go. I love one thing. My favorite. My you know. There should be a bonus like when you do a parlay that has three different sports. You got baseball, the hockey. I think there should yep. be. They should put in a built-in. I guess that's why it's an exclusive. <laughs> you you do get that. There is a little odds. bit of a boost there. Uh, yeah, when I put that in myself uh, mm-hmm. into uh, the site, it was plus four eighty nine. Okay, so, so there it uh, is. Yeah, so we do our get it. You know, we run with the lock shop, but we got to get a winner tonight. We've got a couple. Dusty's been killing it, by the way. You know, he and I op, uh, shift off each week with our daily pick that's out at the Cool Bet Socials. He's been hitting player props perfect so far this week. He'll have another one later on today to try to run the table for the week. Oh, and by the way, live betting is also in effect for the PGA Championship. Should check that out right now. Scotty Scheffler, one back, is the clear favorite right now. He is at plus 130 to win the tournament. Vic Hovland, second at 6-1. to one. And Corey Connors, who's leading the tournament right now, plus 900. Um, those numbers will to change win? throughout the day. He's leading. He, he is leading. There's just a lot of golf left to go, but... Uh, Hey, if, you, if you're seems liking like, Corey right like... now, jump in on it right now while he's got the lead before uh, before he gets a couple more birdies and the number goes down. Uh, and again, you can check that after the round today, and it will change throughout the weekend. So if the guys you were originally on have busted out, you want to get a piece of somebody that's on the leaderboard, like a Corey Connors, it's all there over at coolbet.com. And you can also bet the Preakness there if you'd like. We were just talking about the... Uh, 
and this is a little different. I mean, when you're betting on the horse races, like on a horse site or at the track, those numbers will change. These numbers are locked in. So Mage, minus 152, uh, but something like that coffee with Chris, 40 to 1, uh, and that number won't change. It's locked in once you make the bet. Uh, so, yeah, lots going on over at Cool Bet today. I'll be back on the daily picks next week. And today, uh, Dustin and I, we won't go through these all in the program, but check out today's lock shop. Bomber fans, as I mentioned with bombing, uh, we went through our favorite futures picks, some win total numbers, and... Uh, Spoiler alert, Bombers plus 240 to win the Grey Cup and a real nice number, plus 250 on the Bombers to get between 13 and 15 regular season wins. Uh, so check out today's Lock Shop, Lock Shop Bets on YouTube. Give us a sub. And of course, you can uh, search the Lock Shop wherever you get your podcasts as well for the audio version of that. Uh, some fun preseason CFL talk and looking at some of our win totals. Love Ottawa this year, Reem. Bobby Dice is head coach. Masoli back, hopefully healthy. Eight is their win total. I'm hammering the over on that. I think they get nine wins for sure. I think Ottawa was, last year, we were on Ottawa. We were like, they've yep. made a lot of moves, bringing Masoli, and then Masoli got hurt, and they didn't have that was that. a quarterback. That was it. And they brought in, you know, from Hamilton, Acklin, and didn't they sign uh, Addison as well, who just got cut? Is that... Yeah, they signed. He's on the injured list, Braylon Addison. So they're trying to bring back these Hamilton guys with Masoli. And again, um, we were on Ottawa. Ottawa was the breakout team, and then he got hurt. So I don't mind that one. And the East, not very good. So go go with that. Um, but I am looking forward has to CFL. You know, we I love playing a CFL fantasy on DraftKings. We do that. So uh, that has really kept me engaged and informed about the entire league. Yes, indeed. All right, last call for marbles, everyone. Uh, if you, uh, Remus is going to close that up right away. So if you just popped in, you're going to get right under the wire, exclamation mark marbles. Remus, if you want to close that up and uh, get ready to go. couple sure. things that I'll hit while Remus does that. Of course, fish back, home opener tonight, 6.30, first pitch. I did see Clay Young down at the ballpark today, and I saw video of the Grand Slamwich for the first time. Oh, baby. That is that beast of a sandwich done on a full loaf of garlic bread with burgers, hot dogs, chicken fingers, sort of like the Goldie, the, the uh, gold eyes version of the Walby burger. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be out there fish home all weekend long. Now, the Centennial Cup continues tonight. And I was sort of mixed up. I didn't realize yesterday was an off day. I got a little uh, jump the gun. But those semis are today. Now, coming up at 3.30 this afternoon, OHL or Ontario battle, Collingwood Blues from the Ontario Junior Hockey League and the Ottawa Junior Senators from the CCHL will play. And then tonight, 7.30 p.m., the barn will be rocking for the Portage Terriers. Excuse me. Who are taking out the taking on the Yarmouth Mariners? Um, Terriers will be favored in that game. I'd imagine they were three and one through the round robin. Yarmouth got in at one, two, and one. Uh, and then the winners of those two games move on. The Battleford's North Stars SJHL champions will hopefully be in one semifinal, and the uh, 
powerhouse Brooks Bandits will be in the other final. Um, Brooks, with uh, what they won one game, 9 nothing. They won another one, 5-1. Uh, they won the Bait Yarmouth, 7-2 as well. A real, real powerhouse team that Brooks unit is. And um, we'll get a chance to see them on the weekend playing against uh, the winners of one of these games today. So good luck to the Terriers. And, of course, the other thing on the docket tonight, and you can watch it on TSN, Dan Robertson, Kevin Sawyer with the call, the Winnipeg Ice playing for their playoff lives tonight. If they can win this game, the series comes back to Winnipeg Sunday night for what would be a great game six. But the ice got to get there after dropping the first two games in Seattle. Nine o'clock puck drop tonight. TSN will have it. And uh, good luck to the ice. And hopefully we'll be talking about some playoff hockey at the arena downtown on Sunday. And dare we say Monday night for a potential game of seven. Uh, all right, Remo, we ready to go? Some marbles? Uh, it's great to see our pal Tristan Rivers at the uh, K&R event. Had a good chat with Tristan, who's uh, still doing his thing. Yeah, it was great seeing Tristan there. I've closed it. I'm going to get the music lined up, and I'm going to pull out the entries. 159 names in the list, Huss. One thing we didn't we didn't touch on was the uh, Arizona Coyotes social media usage, Huss, over the last, <laughs> I don't know, like, like 24 hours putting out the poll yesterday where should they hey pack where should we try for our arena next gilbert mesa uh, there was a couple other options i mean that 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 felt like gutierrez went and got the uh got the password and just went in <laughs> someone with absolutely no clue well and i sent this to you shortly afterwards that happened and like an hour later teamwork online which is a site that has listings for jobs in the sports industry had three different social media and digital openings at the Arizona Coyotes. So I'm pretty sure that wasn't the work of a legit social media staffer. I think that was just somebody up at the, uh, up near the top of the organization that decided they'd uh, throw out a tweet and uh, it looked amateur hour. Did you see their tweet from today? Yes. This uh, is no, how I you get. This is yet. how you get likes. Um, if this tweet pack pack, that's what they call their fans, because you know, like Coyote Pack. If yep. this tweet gets twenty k likes by the end of the day, we will leak our new arena plan. Have they done it yet? There's twenty two thousand likes. Uh, no. I guess there. That answers the question. There are no new arena plans. <laughs> so they're full of it. They're full of it. Uh, I've had it about enough of the Coyotes for one week, to be perfectly honest with you. Have some shame, guys. I mean, yeah, the the, the comments back. <laughs> hey, by the way, Pat Canuga's there. Pat, great to see Pat on, over on uh, on uh, Tuesday at the uh, at the KNR Extravaganza as well. Um, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that we should mention: the Panthers. Th- is there anything stupider in professional sports than intentionally putting a logo on the floor? And then getting mad at people for stepping on it? I don't think so. Uh, they've got a massive, massive portable logo that the Panthers put on the floor 
and now everyone's jumping around it. Shout out to the teams that had the common sense on putting the logo on the ceiling or on the wall as opposed to on the floor. I would say it's somewhat disrespectful to have it on the floor anyways, but uh, that's been a long pet peeve of mine and, and honestly one of the dumbest traditions in all of pro sports. Yeah, this is a reaction to Greg Wyshynski, who was on the program earlier this week, tweeting out yesterday, the Panthers have a portable floor mat with their logo in their locker room. Given the size of the visitor's room at PNC Arena, this logo takes up about 65% of the floor. Media are scolded for stepping on it, which is almost unavoidable given its square footage. Good times. And I agree with you. It's I tweeted out, this is just done to troll media and locker room visitors. Probably the dumbest thing ever. If you don't want it stepped on, maybe don't put it on the floor. I don't understand why they do this. Probably because they want to make people look stupid. <laughs> I, I, I guess. It's the bully mentality. Um, who and knows? Then, Anyways, I, I la- laughed about that. I mean, the, the You never played back. the game, Huss. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, step, but what it's like to step on a logo on a carpet, that, uh, you know, which is a floor where people walk on. Thanks for that. Um, all right, let's do some marbles. Uh, do we have Tristan Rivers ready to go, fired up, locked and loaded for a long weekend edition of the WST Marble Race? Yes, I believe I do. We have, uh, okay, we have, first of all, we have 100, listen to this, house. we have 159 entries and only like not that many likes. We have more entries than likes. I don't like that, on, that ratio. You got to be subscribed and you got to give us a thumbs up, please. And thank you. We've got a great hoodie from our friends at Shipman Associates, a WST hoodie. Uh, and again, got to be subscribed to win. So if you're in the marble race, least you can do is help the boys out with a sub and a little thumbs up. So let's do that. And uh, let's play some Tristan Rivers music. And then let's get ready to kick off the long weekend with the marble raise on WST. Yeah, I, let me just get it picked. I got to choose us which theme we're going to do for the long weekend. I got to say great weather here coming up. Driving around, blasting. Oh, God. I don't know. Just the worst wow. music with the windows rolled down. <laughs> well, I threw on some Nickelback today, rolled down the windows, opened. It was it was actually pretty awesome. <laughs> you just see you driving around South River Heights, cranking Nickelback as uh, all the young families walk around going, who is that jerk? Oh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So here, let me uh, pick, pick the uh, thing. Let's. Let's do this. Ready? We're ready.
All right, there you go. Tristan Rivers music. Great to see Tristan and Candace on the weekend. Who, uh, well, Tristan does the songs, Candace does the great videos, and uh, we are all richer for it. Um, all right, Remo, let's uh, let's get after it. Uh, are we going to go to uh, to a new one after what happened last week? Or uh, oh, and by the way, shout out to my guy Shorin, who is uh, watching the marble race today from Rato on the east coast of Sweden in cottage country. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. Um, well, oh, and one thing about that marble race last week. So what happened was. Someone posted the replay in the Discord and joined the Discord. It's in the description for chatting with other viewers, you know, when we're not on stream. But Tristan fell off the track, so it said he got eliminated. But he, I guess the placement of the finish line was below the track. So he fell off and landed somehow right on the finish line. That's how he won in, like, 20 seconds. It was crazy. Uh, it was crazy, so we had and to. And then redo the, the reason it that ended one. was that the fire started because he had gone in so much, and it ended up burning everybody. And Tristan was the winner. Yes, but um, a, a wild stuff. moment. So we got to pick our tracker. I do want to say one thing before we bring it. All this coyotes, um, coyotes talk. You know, I think we do have a vested interest in here in Winnipeg, but where they go because we want to know which team is going to be the holder of Timu Solani's record of 73, sorry, sorry, 76 goals as a rookie. Like, wherever they go, that team is going to have the Jets' record. So we want to know where that holder is going to be. I, I don't think that gets talked about enough. Yeah, I, if, who knows? Who, who, who knows? How they, I'm more concerned about who's going to be in the Central Division. No, I, I want to know to be which Kansas team. City so we can go road trips and go to a Jet game and a Chiefs game on the same weekend. That being said, I have spent, I did, I went to the Royal Rumble in Houston, spent a week down there a couple years ago, right before the pandemic. Unbelievable city. Would be a lot of fun. I think I spent some time there as well uh, for Moose playoffs one time. I went down with the team for like six days. It was one of those two, three twos, and it was great. Got a couple days off to uh, mix it up there. Anyways, let's do this race. We got a long weekend to get to. I want to talk more about the coyotes. No, let's, no uh, we've it's, spent it's, enough that's, time. That's on a for banned the last 10 topic. Years. The the coyotes are w- banned. They were for a while banned, but I think they're back now. They're back. You know what? Listen, let's um, do the can, let's do the, the marble race, and then you can go and look at uh, old YouTube videos of uh, the Goldwater Institute and uh, Glendale Civic Council City Council just for. Uh, a little blast in the past, like old days. Corey Connors, by the way, still one shot up on Scotty Scheffler and Keegan Bradley at the PGA. I do hope when the Coyotes move that they send the records back to Winnipeg. This new franchise or the new location doesn't need them. We haven't touched on that, and that's my number one pet peeve, so I needed to bring it up. I'll shut up. Let's. What, what are we picking here? Where's the Stormy? Uh, let's see here. What about... Um... Let's, oh, no, I don't think On the Felt is a good one. What about Emerald Downs? Have we done that one yeah, before? Yeah, I was looking at that one. 62? Let's check that one out. Oh. And uh, as I say, we'll, uh, if, it, if it sucks for some reason, we'll, uh, we reserve the right to abort in the first uh, 10 seconds or so of the race. Good luck we're to aborting. everybody. Oh, yeah, we're aborting. Emerald Downs. Oh, it's like a horse racing track. That's it's a literal racetrack. Yeah, it's uh, 
that's a nice little plug for AS Downs on Monday, but uh, no, we don't want that. Oh, um, and it's actually good because I, I don't think I loaded the records. Or if I'm talking over you, something screwed up on the stream and uh, you're coming in on a delay for me, but that's fine. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, pick one. I know there was a vote for Temple of Steve. We could just go to the funnel. The fu like funnels right at the top. That's that is a tried and true one. What is it? Number five, the funnel. Let's do that one. That's that that one never never disappoints. Very very uh, fair. The funnel. Good way to go to an old favorite. As we get into this long weekend. Um, yeah, this is a classic, one of the all-time greats. All right, 159 marbles in it. Good luck to everyone. If you win, you're going to need to send us an email with your size. And uh, I know Hugh and Dave are popping by after the show today to pick up their hoodies. Thanks again to our friends at Shipham and Associates for providing the WST hoodies, our version of the Masters Green Jacket. Who's going to win it? Only one way to find out. That is to drop the marbles on WST to get this long weekend underway. Let's go, Reem. All right. The funnel. It's like Jason Jett out at the, uh, th at the start. You don't want to get too high here. Yeah, nice start for Jason Jett. Who will be first down? Gene Okerlund. Yeah, Gene, Gene Okerlund. Gene. Okay, has Gene Oakland suggested in chat the Jets should buy the records, much like WWE bought the ECW video archive. <laughs> oh, Gene, that's amazing. Mean Gene with an absolute classic. All right, there's Brass Bonanza. Brass Bonanza would have been going for the Canes last night, I'm sure. Uh, Jason Jett, Kay Gotts, and oh, Bozeman, all the way in Sweden, watching his marble sniff around the top 10 right now wouldn't that be something if shorn actually won for the first time while he was in holidaying in cottage country in eastern sweden uh brass bonanza still in first right now uh who else is in the mix it's this is anyone's right now we'll see if brass bonanza gets caught up here at all no, a pretty nice move through that one. But now we got more funnels. Anything can happen now. Who will get through first? Will it be Brass Bonanza? Yes, it will. Russ Lowen. Oh, Patrolman Pete just went over the top rope. Big ice fan, Patrolman Pete. He wants his luck for his hockey team tonight. See if the ice can get it done. Lawrence Richard also popped out. Ooh, we got Camaro. 928 now in first place. Slurp Whirple and uh Mike. Is that Mike Fernandez? I can't see the back of his head, but anyways, Mike in there. Camaro is rolling right now. Slurp Whirple and Mike Fagunes. All right, Camaro in first place. Slurp Whirple trying to catch him. Who is it going to be? It looks like it's the Camaro 928 with the win today. Slurp Whirple in second. Mike F in third. Holy Smoldy. Keith S. Travis Spratt. Johnny Bender. Great name. Doug Zapp. Bardo. 
and Russ Lowen for the win. Camaro, 928. Nicely done. Uh, Camaro, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let us know your size. We'll get in touch with you so you can come and pick it up. Good old funnel, Reem. Always a good one. Funnel's a classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patrolman Pete, darn rights has the ice can have my luck. Uh-huh. Gene Okerlund, making us laugh is sweeter than any hoodie I could win a Marvel race. Dude, the ECW video collection line, amazing. Uh, and here is Candace Jane coming in and Vanishing Point taking their sweet time joining us to complete the Marvel race. Oh, someone's still going. Who's this? Trevor, Trevor Frost. Trevor could very well be getting burned. Let's see what happens. Does he get taken out by the fire or does he make it to the final? I think he's oh, going like to get it. Trevor's going to make it before the fire comes. Trevor fashionably late to the party. And there you go. Camaro 928. Nicely done. What a way to start off the, uh, the long weekend. Uh, fish tonight i'm gonna be out there say hi if you see me probably be hanging around craft beer corner already deciding what i'm gonna eat tonight i'm not getting the grand slam with yet i'm gonna wait till remo and a couple of the fellows come with and we wow. can tackle that as we're a gonna do sometime. it well i think we should get it at one point and do a video on it and show, yeah. show it off oh for the content purposes it's probably yeah, the, it's the right move yeah absolutely it's content um but uh that big smoke barbecue i love pierogies mr pierogi or whatever it's called i don't know definitely get a few little brown jugs see what's on tap at craft beer corner and uh welcome the gold eyes back to the ballpark for uh for another season and then to finish up the weekend don't forget monday night is the opening night of assiniboia downs that'll get going at 7 30 i know the uh, dining room's completely full for night one but still free parking free admission head in there grab a program have some fun and uh, take in what's going to be a gorgeous day. I believe 29 degrees. What's going on for you? You got any big plans for uh, the long weekend there, dude? I think the dinosaurs are back at the zoo. Oh! So I'm probably going to check that out. I was tipped off last week that they are returning this year. So uh, I'm, I will be there one day this weekend for sure. Jeez. Well, speaking of content, you need to take a couple pics of the dinosaurs. If you're, yeah, you're they're really back. Out. So we'll see. I don't know what else. Probably getting outside. I haven't like cleaned up our deck from from the winter. I still got this like tarp over all of it. So I got to no. do. Got to make the backyard, you know, ready. You're gonna be getting a list. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no. I... So we'll see. We'll see what's going on there. Probably watch. Obviously, watching you know, these hockey games. Tonight, although, you know, I watched like a week's worth of games yesterday. Just kidding. But yeah. <laughs> so, well, as I say, we got to get back in. I'm so choked. I thought we had that plus 600 banger last night before Matthew Kachuk ruined it. Uh, tonight, Vegas, Blue Jays, Heat plus nine and a half. If you want to jump on our exclusive over at Cool Bad. Uh, all right. Great week. Uh, folks, have an awesome long weekend. Make the most of it. Whether you're getting to the ballpark or the track or one of our beautiful golf courses, heading out to the lake. Do it safely, but have a great time. And uh, this weather is going to be beautiful. Usually 
Historically, May long weekends have sucked weather-wise. Not this year. Shout out to Mother Nature and a shout out to all of you. Hit that thumbs up on your way out if you haven't already. Subscribe and tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk this weekend and how they can find us. Love to get more people on for the ride. Uh, for Remo, I'm Huss. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And we'll see you on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Central, right here on YouTube. Have a great one, everyone. And thanks for hanging with us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.